Boys, I think we did it. We did what? what did I we think do? we did it. What did we do? I think we officially found the most interesting man in the world. Uh, agreed, agreed. But where's the Dosakis to go with it? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's the fake. That's the fake most interesting man. We have the real most interesting man here with us today. <laughs> Here's a, there, you must not get out much. Yeah. <laughs> there's your new marketing. I mean, now you just got to find an old brand that nobody wants that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Just get them to sponsor you. And like, yeah. hey, I've got a whole yeah. marketing campaign for you. Yeah. Shout out to Maxwell House. Like, <laughs> I love, but no free I, shout outs. Yeah. So I often want eight <laughs> gallons of coffee. So I hope you reach out. And if you clicked on the link, of course, you know we're talking to uh, Micah Fink, former Navy SEAL and uh, founder and CEO of Heroes and Horses, which is, I'll let you dive into more what you guys do later on. But uh, essentially, it's an immersion experience for veterans dealing with PTSD, mental, physical health, um, which I did a horrible job of describing it. But again, we'll, we'll dive in deeper later. Uh, but man, we want to get to know you. We want to get to know your story. We want to get to know what led you to this calling of yours to help so many different people. And this is actually something I've been doing a lot of thinking about lately, which is the human experience, life in general, and what, what, it all, what it's all about, what it all means. We really only get one go at it. And how you choose to, to use that time is just fascinating to me. Ben, it's, it's fascinating. Like, it's like you only have one shot. <laughs> that's <what I> yeah, <laughs> that's which is why we called it that the, yeah. the one shot podcast. It was but, one of those rhetorical deals. You have yeah. to explain so, it. Yeah, yeah, he, got just, it. he just threw it out there. That no, but, but I appreciate you messing, messing my groove. I, I was in a roll there. No, but seriously, it's just fascinating to me that, that how we choose to, to use our time. And, you know, some of us, we live in a cubicle from – Nine to five, and we go 30 years, and we do that, and we die, and, and that's our life, and that's how we spend and it. Some of us, and some know, of us. Some of us will drive on the access road to the tollway. Because <laughs> we want to save $6. Because they want to save $6.43. <laughs> that's right. You know, those type of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's just that, that's the, the crux of the conversation is what you're doing now, but how did you get here? And so start us from the beginning. Where are you from? What family life was like? Talk to us. Take us back to the beginning. Yeah, uh, I mean, like all of us here, I was born at a young age. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, nice. In <laughs> yeah. scene. I love, I love what you just said about choice. You know, I mean, so much of what I do is talking about choices and taking ownership of our choices and, and how, you know, to get to where we're supposed to be going, um, we have to gain wisdom to be able to wield uh, the, the ultimate power that our choices um, give us real, real power, power that, that transforms the whole planet. And so, you know, I, uh, when we're born, you know, we really don't have a choice. We kind of, you know, fall out where we fall out. And uh, <clears throat> I happen to fall out in upstate New York, small town. Uh, Dad was a railroad guy and uh, later on became like a, a pastor, kind of got like the whole revival scene in the 80s. You know, it's pretty intense, all the seizing and mm. the demon. I, I Honestly, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I've had more demons cast out of me <laughs> than probably most people in the world. Um, uh, <laughs> the world. I mean, in, in, it usually started, like, on Tuesdays. Mondays was kind of a day mm -hmm. off. And then, <laughs> Here we, and go, then we, huh? we got heavy. Yeah, yeah. So it was wild. You know, I grew up in a small town. Really, uh, my dad left the railroad. And then, you know, those were tough times in the beginning. And I'd done a podcast with some guy, and he's like, could you tell me about growing up in poverty? I'm like, and it wasn't poverty to me, you know, I guess like in the, in the, in back then I didn't really know any different. So <clears throat> it was normal, but we were making ends meet was tough, you know, for me. Like I remember having like, you know, it's like one pair of shoes and, you know, 
always waiting for God to provide or whatever and those kind of things. And um, it was tough. They had like a traveling uh, revival tent and stuff with a mm. little electric sign with the arrow on it. You know, come in, get the demons out, and Jesus saves <laughs> uh, or whatever. Yeah, right? Jesus saves, it was, it was yeah, wild yeah. times when we would go up in like inner city areas and, you know, we'd be up for, for like a whole week and be camping out there. And, yeah, my dad started a little farm church. I had uh, 600 people in my hometown at the time. I think there was like 12 people in my graduating class. So it was small. It was a weird microcosm, like upstate New York, because it's very rural. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't realize that. And But you also get this like influx of people like from New York City that are like running or hiding from things too. Yeah. Vacationing. So, yeah, vacationing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Scarbone over here is taking a vacation. <laughs> you know? uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so it was, uh, it was a rough town. You know, I was like kind of a rough and tumble type kid. And, you know, I never played any sports or anything like that. I boxed boxing most of my life um prove it put the gloves on <laughs> nice yeah, don't point at me weren't you weren't you yeah. Yeah. Up? yeah but i was freaking <laughs> coming from the guy that's nine never years old yeah. Yeah. i wasn't talking ass. about me i was talking about yeah. Darren. Yeah. point at me like <laughs> the old man here take a take a licking <laughs> yeah i i still love it i mean we integrated into what i do now mm-hmm. um you know a portion just a small portion of it but um yeah so i uh, i ended up leaving home you know young 16 been on my own ever since so started working at 10 on a dairy farm mm-hmm. and uh i'll never forget what my dad said to me he's like a man works and I'm like, wasn't a man i don't even know if i'd even gotten like a, an erection at that point but uh <laughs> uh i probably did uh and then it got yeah, cast out of me little demon <laughs> we grew up in the time where you could see between little the demon. green squiggly yeah. lines on the tv yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah it was uh yeah, so I, you know, I left home, and you know, those were those were some pretty tough years for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I ended up like uh, moving to Miami and uh, um, with some friends of mine. And How old were you at that time? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, you know, those were those were tough years. Um, you know, I was you know, no food and no money, and um, you know, was uh, fell into a real tough crowd uh, mm-hmm. at the time. And so, when I was twenty-one, I moved back home. Uh, and most of my friends were in prison that I grew up with. And, uh, you know, I had changed and obviously become a full-grown man there. And I had always been working on and off uh, through my teenage years as a lineman climbing telephone poles. So uh, I had a family that um, really I grew up with that was constantly always hiring me. And they taught me how to climb and how to do electrical. And um, so I had that skill and ended up starting my own business when I moved back home. And that led me to, to 9-11. I was in uh, Queens, New York, when the first plane hit the World Trade Center on, mm. on 9-11. I was on a telephone pole at the time. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I saw, um, you know, the smoke coming from the city. wasn't really sure what was going on. And Did I you hear the impact? It's not that. I mean, no. look, Queens is right across the. No, I, no? Didn't, I didn't hear the impact. just saw the smoke, and I didn't even really notice it actually, actually at the time. And, um my friend called me. I was like, hey, the World Trade Centers just got hit. And I had the little next telephones. Yeah. Little, yeah. And uh, I came down and watched the TV and the other plane had hit. And then I decided that I would go into the city, uh, try to help. You know, I thought like America. Was that an instinct or was that just something that like, hey, I probably should do something. The right thing is to go help. Or was it like, no, I got to go. Yeah, it was just like, I got to go. I was just that kind of person. That, yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm that kind of person. And so, I mean, I didn't really have any skills 
Like, yeah. I was going to run down there and, like, yeah, know, sell were, someone a bag of weed. Yeah, you like, like, <laughs> <laughs> could bring some telecommunications <laughs> into some of these buildings. It's like, anybody need help? Like, <laughs> two fives. So, I, uh, you know, I, I was playing drums, and, you know, I've been playing drums since I was a little kid. Grew up playing gospel music and stuff. And um, so I was playing drums, and that was kind of my goal. I was, like, doing this job and making very good money and, and, and to continue on in the music world, that's kind of what, what I was hoping for. But that day changed in my life like it did so many people. So, <clears throat> yeah, I drove into to the city. I got through, like, these security, you know, they were blocking the tunnels, and I had all these, like, tight security. I had all these, like, you know, cable TV IDs and electrical IDs, and, and I just was like, we're a demolition crew. And I, I put my hard hat on, and they're like, come on through. And I'm like, that, that was it. <laughs> Uh, they were all armed and everything. It was really a strange. I was driving down the LIE, the 495 in New York, and I had this red Audi A6. Wouldn't suggest buying one. Uh, but I'm, like, hauling ass in this car, like, and there's no cars on the road. Mm. It was this, That particular was very strange, you know, having grown up on the East Coast, like, to not see yeah, traffic, traffic or anything. Yeah, was so. Uh, so you drove a red Audi and had with a hard hat and said hey i'm a demolition company <laughs> yeah. a little a6 well, exactly that's why you know <laughs> it's believable has problems sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just who is that guy <laughs> yeah but they let me in and uh when i got down there you know the smoke was like billowing everywhere obviously the two towers had fallen and people were like running and and exiting through all kinds of different areas and i ripped the sleeves off my shirt put it around my face and uh went into the smoke and I was there when the Tower 7 fell. Mm. Uh, I found a dead police officer with some people and, like, I don't know, some body parts I found, like, torsos and watches and all kinds of things. And there's, like, this iconic picture of, like, the firemen putting up the flag by the exoskeleton of, of what was left of Tower 1. And <clears throat> I was actually sitting, like, right behind that, like, eating a bagel uh, mm. when I had, like took out of a smashed out cart and Dang. September 12th, I climbed deep inside the world trade centers. I was like climbing down the steel beams and like steam was coming. It was the eeriest, it was the eeriest experiences of my life. Like, cause you could feel the death. Like yeah. it's that, you know, thousands of people died and it was like, you could feel just the death, like the change. And so the next morning I was like sitting on the East river with my buddy I'd grown up with. And he was like, you know, what are we going to do? Like, it felt like the whole world had ended. Mm -hmm. Helicopters, like the sun came up, was very eerie, September 12th. And um, I was, uh, I just looked at him. I said, you know, I'm going to kill whoever did this. Mm. I'm just going to kill him. You know, and he was like, okay, dude, and, like, patted me on my back. And yeah, that kind of led my road to start like wanting to go in the military. And so I, you know, uh, um, down to the recruiter in 2003 america had already been involved in the conflict mm -hmm. and you know i started down that path and and didn't you know i tr initially tried to join the army i didn't know what the navy seals were i didn't run around like it wasn't all like oh i want to be a navy seal and go in hollywood now i mean it was much different back then mm -hmm. so <clears throat> a recruiter came out and talked to me about it and showed me like this like 1980s video of dudes with like nut huggers on doing like flutter kicks and <laughs> and uh and jumping jacks and stuff and like uh. shooting like with swamp grass on their heads which we don't do any of that <laughs> but it looks cool and well i guess guys pretend on instagram but um 
yeah, I, I was like, I want to do this. And then, you know, I had, I had to get some letters from some judges. I'd been in some things, trouble, fights, all kinds of stuff. And so at the time, it was like we were at war. So everything was like... <laughs> Yeah. Come on in, yeah. meat bag. Yeah. 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 No problem, Jim. Uh, yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, I went in and, um, you know, went in with a Navy SEAL contract. And, you know, that's when I started, like, learning about, like, what the SEAL teams were. At the time, I was working, I was working as a lineman and then managing, like, this, like, HUD housing project for this dude. Uh, it's a Nigerian dude fixing up his places and then working at a pizzeria on the weekends, making pizzas, oh, wow. you know? So I was working all those jobs and working out and training. Uh, you know, I'd wake up at three thirty four in the morning and I would run and swim at the YMCA and lift weights and box. And, and then, you know, I, I showed up and, you know, I may be, did ig- it. I may be ignorant, but so when you signed with the Navy SEAL contract, so is there any like prerequisites that you've any testing you've got to do in order to even sign mm-hmm. for that? Because, and maybe at this time it was, it was a little different, right? Cause I think, you know, Afghanistan really kind of, and you know, the bin Laden thing really, really brought seals to the forefront of like American culture. Um, and maybe a little bit before that too, but, uh, but there has to be a long list. Cause it's like the, it's like the, the best of the best, right? From mm-hmm. a from a civilian's perspective. Mm-hmm. But was there anything, or is like, no, that's what I want to do? And then you go through boot camp, and then go to buds, right? Is that you got to take <clears throat> you got to take like and score certain on like mathematics, and uh, you know, there's like some academic components to it to make sure that you have the cerebral capabilities to yeah. you know make it through that stuff. So okay. you take that, and then you got to do like a physical test. It's simple. It's like a run, swim, push ups, pull ups all baseline stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a contract which guarantees you a shot. I mean, but the one shot, like that's not a lot of people make it. I you graduated 13 shot. original guys out of 157. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys. Wow. yeah. So when you were working all those jobs and training, was the drive or the, the, you know, that carrot out there just simply, I want to kill these people that did this. Like what was the motivation? Yeah, I wanted to go that? to war. Yeah. Like I wanted to go, I initially wanted to join and be an army ranger. Thank God I didn't do that. But, um, I heard they walk a lot. There's a, no, but I, uh, I just, I just, um, I, I really wanted to defend my country is what I thought at the time. You know, mm-hmm. I felt a real drive and, you know, I'd come through a really tough life and upbringing. And so I was already a man. Yeah, I was okay. a full-on man at that time. And yeah, you were at 23 at that time, 23, 24? Yeah, yeah. 24, yeah. yeah. And so I was... I was but on your own since 16. Yeah. yeah. But so I, mean, I had lived a lifetime. 10, I mean, if you think like a 10-year-old getting a job working full-time. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's... And a dairy's no joke. I don't know if you guys ever worked on a dairy? No. I know no. you haven't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's wasn't, that wasn't a stereotype. What are you trying thing. to say? That wasn't. I, mean, like, I is, promise you wasn't. He said, you people don't work you on dairy farms. don't work on dairy farms. There was a time. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you don't want none of that shit, yeah. let me tell you. There was a time. Dairy Disgusting. Filthy. I could barely yeah. even, I don't really do a lot of dairy, but I mean, it's, it's if you saw what went down in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it ain't right. Uh, it's gross, especially in upstate New York where it's hot in the summertime. You know, yeah. I, I used to have to tie their legs to these like stanchions and 
clean the udders and then put these like machines that were hooked up to these like air compressor things that suck the milk out, you know, and these yeah. things are perpetually lactating, Yeah, uh-huh. you know, so they got to be constantly pregnant, you know, constantly lactating, constantly, they pull the calves off, they sell the steers. It's, it's just a mess. Uh, yeah. And these things, you know, they get mastitis and they're, yeah. they're are, you a milk drinker? are you a milk drinker now today? Yeah. No, no. no. Okay. Huh. It's, it's crazy. Uh-huh. And it's just, it, cause uh-huh. it's kind of, it's, they're they're in such a confined area, right? There's not like the free the, the like free grazing and all that. Mm-hmm. Like they're really in these like houses, and like you said, they're getting hooked up like every day, right? right. Pumping because it's all about production. But like just the like w- on these big dairy farms, literally they just have these big water valves that you open up just to wash all the shit out of the house, uh, out of the out of the deal, and mm-hmm. then it goes in this big tank. So if you ever drive by dairies, that's why it smells that's so bad. bad. Yeah, it's because okay. literally uh. like they just wash all the shit. But then the cows are walking through this, so they're getting abscesses. They just like cut mm. them up, and it's just and Fine. that's all the stuff that like literally is like around your milk. Yeah, awesome. Like, mm. Yeah, so. Good. Whole milk, love it. Yeah. Hey, coop some milk tomorrow. Some cereal. <laughs> so you don't do ice cream or anything? I mean, if, yeah. I mean, I had ice cream last <laughs> night. Like, real. No, but I don't like yeah. drink. I'm, it's actually like later in life that I kind of started drinking milk. But we buy a A two A two milk from a, a local that's okay, just mm-hmm. straight from the cow. Yeah, so A two A two milk, as you know, is like doesn't have the casein protein yeah, in it. Right. You, yeah. So if you're lactose intolerant or yeah. whatever, because it's not genetically modified. So yeah. mm. I do drink that milk, and uh-huh. um, but. It's and she runs like a small organic farm, you know. They're not out there like production farming, right, which is yeah, like right. it's just rough, you know. As I get into like the ranching world and the farming world and all that stuff, you start to see these things. You get like a different uh, perspective, I think, perspective yeah. on yeah. some of those things where you know it's um, it's rough. Like I went to a slaughterhouse last year down in Denver, and that was like a different deal too. I was like, Oof. I mean, I raise my own food, so uh, yeah. but. When I saw like what mass production, like harvesting like, of animals is, yeah. it's like. Yeah, at uh, those, are they mixing in like actual like grass fed or, fr- you know, different types? It's whatever. They're just, just down. Listen, down the dude's a, working in there. Yeah. Oh, they don't care. <laughs> they look like they uh, have had a rough lives. Uh, yeah. You working on the, on the cut floor. Uh, you know, smoking marbreds like you're all bloody. You got like some jailhouse. Ta- uh, you see these people in there, you're just like saving up for meth. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> it's like, I'm telling you, like some of those places, and not talking about butchery. So shout out to all the butchers and all the good yeah, people. But like, because meat has you know, to be processed. But yeah. I get what you're saying. But, yeah, but when big. you're doing like, you know, a thousand a day. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 So that stuff, that stuff that we're buying at, at Kroger. Yeah, I was told it was it was organic. Well, I love I love the little like you yeah. look at this stuff and it's got like the little barn with like the chicken in front. Yeah, and it's like you know it's like and it's all natural and there's like yeah. fake grass like spreading out. And you're like, well, that looks like healthy. Yeah, and you like buy it and then meanwhile that thing is basically like just it's been been cut by Rick. <laughs> who's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I uh, smoking a blunt while he's cutting my meat. So so my guess, so. When you're going and you were a hard worker and I heard, and, and by the way, if you want to hear like an extended version of Micah's like youth and childhood and growing up, the Jocko podcast, he, he did a great job telling that story. Um, so go check that. I can't remember what episode it was like 283 yeah. or something like that. 318. 318? I 318. think so. There you go. I haven't listened to it, but I okay. think I don't like listening to it, but if you go to two minutes and 43 <laughs> seconds, that's really good. Six minutes, 22 is also really good. I tell a great joke. <laughs> you like jokes <laughs> but uh but where do you think i mean you've worked it sounds like you worked your tail off and, and this is like even pre-teams but like 
you worked your tail off up. Even in Florida, it sounded like, hey, look, I was there and I was there to work, whether mm. I was slinging or I was working or whatever it was. Um, you always just had this work ethic. Where did that come from? Yeah, it comes from my father um, and it comes from my grandfather. You know, my grandfather uh, grew up as an orphan, uh, you know, mother and father died of alcoholism and they had like nine brothers and sisters or something. And he grew up in the street and <clears throat> never went to school or anything and ended up becoming head of the conductors union when he got out of federal prison. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he was a hard man and hard worker and he worked three jobs and was on the railroad. And so I grew up in that kind of, you don't, you don't take anything, you, you do it yourself. And you know, so I, I, I I just, that was instilled with, I didn't know any different. You know, my wife, I just like had to redo my septic system. Like I just, mm. all these things. Like, and I just know how to do basically yeah. everything. Like, you a reader, man. I mean, like we, we had this conversation. We went to lunch and had a night, great conversation. Yeah. And just listening to your background, you know, you, you, we talked about, you know, the Bible. We had a nice little, you know, <laughs> scripture I learned more in five minutes than yes. I learned my entire life. Going but to, I'm listening going to, to you, and you're telling me your father was a pastor, so you got yep. that background. So yep. you must have done, you must have been you know in hammered the Bible, down, hammered down, mm-hmm. right? And then you go, you're 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 on towers, you're climbing, you're a climber, you know, you're you're doing a, a lot of. There's a whole lot of background. Do you think that's what's made you who you are right now? Because you're a doer, you're a reader, uh, you, your your background is so a full deep with, thinker, a deep thinker. Uh, yeah, there's so much that 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 you're that involves Micah. Is that from your family makeup? I think like, yes, I think like initially, right? The spiritual component, like I grew up in that, you know, I've got my own thoughts on those things now, but you know, I think ultimately like we always think that we have to go outside of ourselves to get information at this point in my life. I don't really read anything. I Mm. just, I just download it. Um, Mm. And from just being quiet and still, and just listening and so i think that uh, a lot of people ask me like what's your favorite i'm like i don't have one what do you do i don't like do you have a no i don't like where did you come up with no what's your roadmap what's your marketing i don't have one uh people like how'd you grow i'm like i don't know i have no idea Mm. like because the thing is is i think that the secret is in the stillness and Mm. it's in listening and then you know when you get that impression it's like for instance if i was to tell you like explain to you like quantum theory for instance right like essence of like what an idea is maybe if i like broke it down on a board and did like a whole thing you would get it but the hard thing would be to like explain it mm-hmm. but inside you would understand it you're like i get it but then when someone's like what is it you're like yeah, well yeah. there's like these like little balls like i don't know that like carry information i don't know i know it but right yeah. so the hard thing is to articulate it yeah. so the secret's always in the feeling mm-hmm. right it's always in the impression so to a, a change in one's impression is a change in one's expression we don't realize that so to adopt the feeling of something changes our whole destiny mm-hmm. um and so more i realize like i've become more of a guardian of what i'm choosing to adopt and and what feelings i'm choosing to place onto experiences because it's me right. i could look and say that's bad or, or that's good, and so it is. You mean you don't just change your opinion because you see it on social media or you see it on TV or something like that? Like, that's that's not your methodology anymore? No, it actually is. Yeah, um, just yeah. whatever they tell you. No, it's like, what's wrong with you? Feel. I'm actually using a filter right now. <laughs> I'm actually bald. 
that's that's um, wild. I can't imagine like <laughs> thinking for yourself. I have a hair filter. Yeah. yeah. Ben Shapiro told me to say this. Yeah. 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 No, I actually was on Ben Shapiro. I did his like I met Ben Shapiro. I went to his I did his like uh I met him. I went he had like an in studio thing for Normandy and then he had me on his like uh pot well it wasn't his it was like his radio show or something. Mm-hmm. I was on for like ten minutes. It was the hardest thing I could have ever done in my life. He's like, everyone's just uh, thinking tomorrow. I'm like, like, tell me about the veterans. Like, ah, and I immediately start talking fast. Right. I'm like, ah, oh, the veterans need your help, Ben. Uh, we're kind of like, oh, God, help the vets. Oh, thank you. We got 30 yeah. seconds to get this in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what just the- happened? I feel like I got robbed intellectually. <laughs> yeah, there's the one and a half speed and two, two times speed on, on podcasts. Yeah. With him, you got to slow it down. Yeah. One and a half speed. He's talked so yeah, fast. It's, yeah, crazy. it's crazy. He got so much in his head that he just has to get out. Anyway. Yeah, and I think like, Here's the thing is that like we spend so much time like looking at experiences and talking about all the things that are happening right in the world and feeding them and giving them attention. Right. And, but we do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So we get together with the, you know, I don't know, in the smoky, you know, lounge with all the guys and we talk about all the screwed up things that are happening in the world and this and this and this politician and this guy and this stuff and how messed up and can you believe this and the outrage and then we just like go back and continue in slavery. Mm -hmm. That's what we do because we're trained to be our own slave masters. Right. So we, the web, the, the tools of the, of the old are, are not needed anymore because you've been trained to serve. And, and you're not going to step out of the left and right lateral limits of life because if you knew what you were, you wouldn't capitulate. If you understood how powerful your choices were, you, you would make different ones. If you understood that it was always you, um, you wouldn't have the life that you had. You would stand up and call bullshit and do something else. Um, you would kind of reject authority right? And, and trust yourself. But we're always taught that like, there's this like, you know, invisible ladder that we got to climb. It's, it's like my work with vets, you know, where these guys, like they outsource the most important decisions of their lives to complete and total strangers. You know, I've had, I had, a, I've talked to three psychologists this year, all three of them PhDs. Maybe one was a master's. I don't really know what the difference is, but there's like, uh, at that point, you know, a lot of shit. And, uh, I always say the same thing to them because they always have like their own problems and they're, you know, so I always get into their head and then I'm like, so like what you're sharing, does it work? And they're like, I mean, yeah, I've dedicated my life to them. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't work on you. They're like, well, I mean, I'm like, yeah, but you just said, <laughs> and, and it's interesting because it's just a bunch of information that they don't Mm -hmm. do anything Mm -hmm. right and and so i had the conversation i've been asking everybody what is mental health because this whole mental health thing is going around right now like hardcore like men we have like i think mental health has a month does it have a whole month mental health awareness Mm. yeah dude i forget what month it is but yeah it does yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so you have like i mean like if you combine that with a bunch of other like weird things you could have basically three months of just fiesta yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you could just, you could just yeah. like PTS awareness month, mental health month, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I don't know. The pride month, whatever yeah. you put all this together, you got three months of just living it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I always ask people and I'll, I'll present it to you guys. Like, and I thought a lot about this because I started thinking, cause everyone's like, Hey, well, you know, it's about mental health. I'm like, absolutely. And I'm like, after some time I started thinking like, what is mental health? Mm-hmm. Because like what's mentally healthy for someone in, Papua New Guinea Mm -hmm. is not mentally healthy for someone in Chicago Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like what's normal for the elk 
is like chaos for the fish. And what's chaos for the fish is like normal for the elk. Like what's his baseline? Like, what does it mean to be mentally healthy? Mm -hmm. So like, how are we defining that and articulating that? So I've asked three various, very educated people of what it means. And no one's been yet to really define that in a way that like makes sense to me, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, there's this individual human experience that we're living in, right? So like what's mentally healthy for you, Ben, may not mm -hmm. be mentally healthy for me. Right. You know, like, yeah, we're both humans, right? But we have different life experiences, experiences. So, but that's was that the yeah. key though i mean because have you always felt this way or is it because you've gone through look you've gone through trauma in your life oh yeah yeah but so, life is trauma yeah but have you gone through yeah. those experiences that allows you to step back and uh, understand like oh, let, let's let's jump back in because like, i want to go back because your experiences in life is it's like they're starting to show like yeah. the wisdom in you right so i, I want to go back a little bit and 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 talk about your experience. You, 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 you go through buds, you, you go into the seals, talk, talk us through that. And then let's move forward there. Well, I, you know, going through buds and all the things like I was really, um, I was fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that like you're fighting for your, for the government, but I, I didn't think like that. I was like fighting for like this definition of like freedom, which I was like defining on my own because mm. people are like freedom okay freedom is like you know charlene's got like a red white and blue bikini on with like you know firecracker sunglasses on on the fourth of july and like that's freedom mm. freedom to me is like i believe that each person should be able to do whatever they want as long as it doesn't inf infringe on another person to do the same because at the end of the day, like we have this ability to make a choice, right? Mm -hmm. I either accept this or I don't. Um, but in exchange to make life a little easier, we give up a little bit of that, mm -hmm. you know, we just give up just a little bit, just to make right. life a little bit easier, just to kind of take the edge off. But I was like fighting for freedom. And, you know, I always had that fight in me. I think I was kind of born like that. You know, I, I've been like that my whole life. I, I don't know. I just came out like that. I just, mm -hmm. I'm just wired that way. And, um, so I wasn't like uh, going through all the training. I started learning about guys that were there and they were kind of joining the military for a lot of weird reasons. Obviously they washed out of the seal training. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the necessarily like, and, and you know, some guys are like, I'm not like being a tough guy or anything, but like, I just wasn't like, I just didn't really think that anybody could, I just wasn't afraid of like, a, I wasn't afraid of another man. Mm -hmm. I think maybe like my father, when I was younger, um, who was a very hard, he was, you know, a tough guy. My dad was in federal prison and, uh, and then became a Christian mm -hmm. after that. And he was like a really tough dude, like the kind of tough guy that like nothing to lose. Think right. about what he grew up in yeah. poverty, real poverty. Yeah. My mom said she, we met him, he had duct tape sneakers, you know? Um, and he was violent. My grandfather mm -hmm. was violent, you know? So they came out of that and then he became a Christian. So it was like violent Christian. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you want to accept the Lord? You're like, uh, I don't know. He's like, <clears throat> you're saying you don't love Jesus? You're like, yeah. oh, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one more opportunity. I was afraid. To the right they used answer. to call him the sheep killer because he, uh, <laughs> uh -oh. I mean, because he was intense, you know, right, and that, yeah. but that was fire and brimstone back in the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember yeah, them wow. preaching in the, in the, the pages coming out of the Bible as they were just screaming, you know, mm. and like yelling. No, so it was like intense. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't like about love and things, but. 
I grew up like that. And so when I went through SEAL training and, and I saw all these guys there, I mean, I remember thinking we all have our own happy places we go to, but I remember thinking, uh, like I, that I could pretty much beat up every like mm -hmm. Navy SEAL instructor that was there. Now wow. I know it. Mm -hmm. Shout out to anybody who wants a shot, but <laughs> I, uh, um, but I remember thinking that and because I never played sports, I wasn't like all these guys. I didn't have like, you know, the background of all these great accomplishments. Like, so I felt like really inadequate, like, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, I'm standing there, guys, quarterbacks, Berkeley trophy winners, all these, all these guys, like guy played in the NHL, like we had, and here I am like, just like a kid from like rural upstate New York that kind of had like a rough life. And, um, I remember realizing like we're training to be soldiers at the end of the day, the military prepares you to kill other people. Mm -hmm. You can put all the coding you want on it. You can say all the things and all this stuff, but it has one objective. I take you off, you know, a some, you know, dad's farm in Iowa and you know, you've never been in a fist fight or kissed a girl. And 27 weeks later, you're 5,000 miles away shooting people mm -hmm. like whoever's in your way. Like what happened in the 27 weeks, right. you know, yeah. we can, we, we can, we can at the end of the wow. day. And so I, I, I started, what happened was when guys started getting into the training, it started getting really hard. Everybody just started disappearing. Yeah. Mm. It was unbelievable. The amount of guys that I was like shocked. Like I was like looking at guys like, man, that guy's like a super athlete. And then just seeing them just like crumble. But mm. I, so wow. Like Darren and I haven't been around people. Darren, uh, most people would think that about Darren, right? It's mm -hmm. like, okay, he's he's elite, right? He was the quarterbacks. He was the wrestler. He was mm -hmm. like all those people you saw in Buds. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like he has something special. Mm -hmm. But like being around those people, realizing that, look, they are just broke people too. They're the right. same. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Did you recognize, though, in that moment, because I, I think I'm assuming that now at this point with the wisdom that you've gained through your experiences, you're just like, okay, those hard times, those hard things, they prepared me more for that than any elite athlete could have ever been yeah. prepared. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, absolutely. That's what I, I mean, looking back, because people always like, you know, they want to pick your brain and find out like the secret sauce to make it. Like there is no, yeah. the secret sauce yeah. was that I, Fall on your face over and over and over, over again. And over. Constant failure, constant like never enough. Constantly, you know, never was in the. I was never the cool kid. I never, you know, I I I bought everything in my life. I I've worked for everything that I've had. You know, I've had you know my teeth knocked out. I've had my face kicked in. You know, I've been sliced with razor blades. I've been like all the things. You know, I've been. Mm -hmm demons cast out of me all the time like you know <laughs> like you know falling off of telephone poles and like you know mm -hmm. I'm, i don't long-term relationships with strippers like you name it like oh, I, yeah. I i've made a lot of terrible decisions in my life but i wouldn't change one of them mm. yeah. Yeah. none i wouldn't change one thing nothing not this not I just the stripper not, in Miami that she no. was great <laughs> <laughs> until I like came out of the fog and I was like, you Wait can't read. <laughs> Her name's Chastity. She's yeah. a stripper for God's sake. My name is Frank. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> My name's Frank. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with that mentality uh, and, and those experiences, yeah. did quitting ever even? Did no. you ever even contemplate it? No, because I knew, like, no, because I, I, I think what I did was I just had, like, resentment against those guys yeah. uh, in my own head where I was thinking, like, they would scream at me, you know. They'd say, 
atrocious things to you and you know you'd be crawling around the mud and all the things and i'd be like crawling around the mud but then i would be like thinking in my head like if i wasn't doing this i would stand up and i would beat the living shit out of you yeah. mm. like like you were nothing yeah. like mm. and i always had that in my head and i remember i used to get screamed at because that they would scream at me ah! and they would look at me and like do you have a problem think <laughs> and i would just stand there like like, I just had this thing. I just if had there, this thing. If there wasn't this title that you had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would maul you because I was, you know, I mean, I was, you know, I mean, I was 16 years old, like, you know, fighting men that were in their 40s. Like, mm. I was just, I had such a anger inside of me and just a, just, there's just so many things, you know? And so by the time I got to that point, and then also, like, I thought the indicative of, like, being the soldier was, like, the ultimate machine, yeah. you know the ultimate machine and that's i mean ultimate that's what war requires of you yeah. you know if you look at if you look at the military you know iraq and afghanistan 2.7 million veterans have served and 7000 died mm. in 20 years Okay, that's not actually a lot. That's mm -hmm. 350 years. More people were killed in Normandy in like was, 45 minutes. I was minutes. gonna say, yeah, compare yeah. that to yeah. 496,000 were killed in World War II. Goodness Lord. And I think 96,000, it was either 96 or 56,000 in, in Vietnam. But so in the scope, but those were short conflicts. You're, you're talking about a 20 year war, right? Mm -hmm. So then you start thinking, well, like how many guys like saw their buddy get killed mathematically? Mm -hmm. right and then there's 1500 amputees roughly so okay and there's 50,000 organizations to help these guys okay like you start kind of like looking back and you start seeing like the state of like why people join the military like where they came from their demographics like I work in that place and for me like yes coming home from war was really hard but it was really hard uh but at the same time, I was already had the tools because my life already was hard. Right. Yeah. So like, it's not like I came back and like my family was like, here's like a new car. We're so proud of you. There was like a ticker tape parade. Mm -hmm. I didn't even go home. Uh, <clears throat> there was like, there was, no, I didn't, I was just kind of moved on with my life. Like oh. I didn't uh, later on, like looking back, I, you know, I had some issues, but, uh, but I had already uh, met so many obstacles throughout my life that it wasn't like the end all be all while well, I got home. Like I've heard so many stories from so many guys like over the years where it's like they got home and like their parents bought them a house and like, you know, they just like kind of were, you know, dad got them in the law firm and they kind of, their mm -hmm. life fell apart and they were just a wreck and they started drinking and doing crack or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, by time I had gotten out and had all those experiences, you know, and then onto the contracting world, um, and, you know, between, you know, my time in the SEAL teams and, you know, I didn't retire anything. And then I went into the paramilitary world where I did a lot more deployments there. Um, yeah, I did 13 deployments. So, yeah. you know, that's, I think just like in the war zone, it was like over 1100 days and just like, gee, oh. kind of that time. So what's the way go, go back to paramilitary world? What, was, what is that? Yeah. So I was, a you know, CIA contractor. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I did that for, for almost four years. Okay. Yeah, when I got out. So I want to go back to that. Like, yeah. you, you come back and, um, you know, you see some of these other guys. Do you think, I mean, part of it had to do with the fact you realized at a young age you weren't owed anything? And because everything that you had, like you said, you bought, 
you acquired, you worked for, you did all that. Whereas I think, and again, this is me just spitballing here. A lot of times I, I, I feel like in these societies, especially Dallas is, is like mm-hmm. prime example of it. As you have these super affluent areas that mm-hmm. are just, and I'm, I'm throwing up air quotes if you're just listening, riddled with like depression and anxiety and all these things. Because yeah. the expectation of what you're owed is not met by reality. So mm-hmm. you feel like, hey, I'm missing uh-huh. out, I'm lost. Whereas your filter on what you were owed was very different than maybe a lot of people that even went through the teams. Although they're hardened, they're trained, they're, they're more, more in tune with real life and, and the finality of life than everyone else. But, I mean a soldier take it to a whole, whole nother level when you come back, right, in depression. But do you feel like, though, that your just um, awareness Expectations. Of, it, it, it's just yeah. hard. Like, yeah. it's hard. And hard right. is something that I've learned is, and maybe this is hindsight, but is good because of what comes from it. I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple things they're doing. Guys, these Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out at Sleep Number store wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to Sleep Number, get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, people will sometimes listen to me talk about things and I don't go like crazy deep on like my, you know, all the things like my teenage years and all that stuff. But you know, people are like, think like they like feel bad for me or something. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel bad for them because if we know one thing, um, you know, Bruce Lee said it, right. Don't, don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Mm -hmm. And now we got to go out and we got to manufacture struggle. Like you go out, you pay for yeah. struggle. You yeah. buy struggle, yeah. right? You you go out and you're like, let me buy like a forty five hundred dollars struggle machine. Right. Let me uh, <laughs> let me get a um, let me sign up and go to a weekend of struggle. Yeah. Right? Maybe I'm gonna, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, walk on coals or because here's the thing is that your life is people's life is all based on dependency, mm-hmm. so like they're always dependent on everything. They're not self-reliant. There's no self-reliance where it's like, who would you be like if you were just dropped off alone in the middle of nowhere with just a knife and it was real and it was like, hey, you're 50 miles from the closest dirt road. Two or three days like into that, who are you? I guarantee you, you're not the guy that like, you know, works at Keurig whatever <laughs> just kidding i just saw the sign of the thing. Uh, um, but i mean uh, maxwell but, house do employee would no, for but sure that, know what yeah. to do but Shout that's out to the question i have for you though yeah. because you've been in those situations when you've been mm-hmm. like the quietest quietest moments yeah no one around and it's just in a survival mode is that that's where that's where so you create, everybody craves yeah. that. That's why they watch these shows and they yeah. sit there and they, they only watch the shows because they sit there and think, 
who would I be absolutely on the train yes. when the terrorists walk in? Yeah. Whatever. Who am I alone in the wilderness when the plane goes down and my whole, you know, business team is dead mm-hmm. and who am I? Right. So that just comes back to that's the question we should be asking every single day of our life. But instead we ask like, what identity can I assume? And then how can I reinforce it with products Mm -hmm. um, that make me look like I'm the thing that I'm trying to perpetuate? And in turn, um, you live in what, you know, the ancients would call hell um, because you're living a divided life. You, You live a life of ideas um, but the, the real you, uh, you've created a war between yourself. Mm-hmm. You create your own war where you are ruled by the mind um, and you reject the desires of the heart. And I believe those desires of the heart are divine. They help us on our life path. You know, for instance, it would be like, let's say you're like, have a feeling one day you're driving home. You're like, I need to move. I need to make some life changes. And you're feeling it. And then you're driving and all of a sudden you're like, I can't do that. Like, yep. what if, what if Sally's not going to, her mom and dad are getting old and they need her to wipe their asses and do all the things like, ah, I can't, you know, ah, I can't do this. So then a year goes by and you're kind of like, you think about it, but you're driving on, you know, things are going good. And then your house burns down and then your wife's like, we should move. See what happened was your true life path bypassed your, your a conscious reality, the mind and went straight to the will and you got forced into doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it only happened because of trauma. You know, where you're like, that's why when you're like, I knew I should have done that, right? right? You knew it, but then the mind overruled you and then you created a polarity within yourself. And the next thing that happens is unfavorable mm-hmm. because you're going to go, right? You're, you're going to do that thing. You can keep rejecting it, right? But eventually it take your sight away, take your arms away. It will break your knees off, right? Whatever it will be. And then you'll be like, why is this stuff happening to me? It's you. It's you resisting. It's, 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 it's you resisting it. And so it's not that, um, you know, we're not here just bumbling through this like life, just like bumbling through, like we just kind of come here and, you know, try to get some stuff and make sure we got like a 401k and like all these things. Right. I always tell people and people can say, oh, you're so, I don't know. I don't even know what bank accounts I have. I have no idea. I don't even know. My wife pays the bills and I don't care. I used to be like all in there, like, honey, got to make some sound decisions, you know? So we have stuff, a bunch of forks, things, more shoes, and another eight pairs. Um, you know, I, my priority is, is to, to, is to really figure out like what I'm supposed to be doing and why I'm here and to follow mm-hmm. my my heart, follow my intuition, you know, and that's a real thing. And you can only do that when you make space to listen. And when your mind is inundated with information or identity projection, uh, you can never hear that voice inside of you. And so you never become a creator. You just become a reactor. Mm. And so you just react to what you think you should be doing and you lose all ability to create. And in your, and, and it's designed like that because if all of a sudden everybody started realizing like, wait a second, it's me. I have real power, like real power, like power, like, oh, that's the most powerful man in the world. Okay. Unless I give it to them, Mm -hmm. it's it, they only have it because you give it away Mm. and you do it, um, under the guise that your life will somehow become easier and you destroy yourself in turn, you become your own slave master. You get your ass. Here's the thing. You can either, you know, 
take the two paths in life. You can either rise to a destiny or you can fall to a fate. And your fate will be, your mind will take you to a fate. And your destiny will be led by your ability to follow your heart out in, in, in face of any and all external circumstances, mm-hmm. right? So mental health, mental health is using your mind without your mind taking over. That's Strong, what man. it is. That is it's, so- that's the definition I'm telling you. Yeah. Like I'm, I always say like, oh, I'm like coining this like new term. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I am. Because your ability to place feelings on experiences will dictate your destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, Sally walks in as like, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving. And you're like, I hate her. I want to kill her. Like, I'm bitter. bitter. I'm getting an attorney, right? All the things, all the stuff. You're meeting guys. You're sitting there. You're drinking beers. Why I do this? Or you could just be like, I understand. You know, let's, um, let's figure out how to separate things and then move on. And then you go out and you walk your dog. And next thing you know, you meet Sally. You're like, hey, how you doing? Right? So, or you create a war. Right. So I could take my feelings. I could place it on there. It was like my, I was like my wife. I'm like, if you like ever left me or whatever, like I would like, I wouldn't like, I would just, you could just have everything. I was just like, I just want my, like my motorcycle and you know, my kids, of course, all that she would never do that. But like, I was like, I don't want, I'm not attached to anything, but when you become unattached to things, you become powerful and strong yeah. mm-hmm. because you're not driven by materialism. You're not driven by the pursuit of things. And then the things that you need come to you. So to go out and to get stuff, cause we need stuff, right? Like to go out and to get things, you can either drag your ass to work seven days a week, do the grind, you know, here guys, wake up, watch the YouTube videos, wake up and grind. I'm like, fuck you, I'm not grinding. Like I'm not doing that, right? Cause it takes material time and effort. Or I can elevate myself to the place of already having the things that I know that I need, and then they just appear. I'll give you an example. Like, for instance, so I assume the feeling of the things and visualize the things that I need for my life, right? Um, abundance, for instance. So my wife is a very strong practitioner of these things. Very strong, very spiritual woman. Shout out to Mama Mac. Newborn baby strapped to the... <laughs> walking around the house right now but um she said she was just doing some practices so she wrote down in a journal and uh, when my daughter was was born a few weeks ago we were sitting out on the porch we kind of have routine in the morning like i don't use a coffee machine right because well i don't want to consume too much because i'll drink the entire pot um and so i'm intentional about it i'll get up in the morning and i grind it and i make it and i pour it and i stand there over the stove and i do that and then i only have like two cups and then it's a whole process to do it again, right? You just talked about fucking Folgers a minute ago, really? right? Right, right. Or, or Maxwell's, I'm sorry. Like, I've cheated on you. I got some Costco shit. Yeah, well, I'm bad. go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway. I needed 87 pounds, and you only offer eight. So we could talk about that later, but... Yeah. But like, spokesperson for the new line. So she, so she, so she says she comes out, and she's, like, got her journal. We're sitting down there. We're having a cup of coffee. We observe every sunrise, um together in sunset it's very important and so uh we're sitting there and she got the baby and she goes i want to show you something in my journal and we're sitting on this new patio furniture we got um we don't have a patio we have like a deck but uh, we live in a very rural area and we're sitting out there and she wrote down in there and she goes get patio furniture for free it was like nine months ago 
She goes, yeah, I was just doing some thing, some work, and I just wanted to, well, a random friend of ours we hadn't talked to in a long time was moving from Montana back to Texas. I don't know why, but they uh, they were. Idiots. And, uh, <laughs> right, like, literally. So, uh, but they said, hey, we have an old storage unit. We don't really know what's in there. We've been paying for it. They'd already moved. Like, could you clean it out? You can have whatever's in there. So my wife's like, oh, yeah, absolutely, no problem. So she, like, drives down there with this, like, little boat trailer we have. Um and and opens up the door and there's like what's in there is patio furniture mm. right now you could say that's a coincidence but is it the answer is no because there is no such thing as a coincidence you know people say oh that's a lucky punch it's like yeah but i was trying to punch you mm. right mm. Yeah. yeah like it's not lucky yeah. see th there isn't like there is <laughs> when you begin to realize like this is what people have always done throughout history they've changed themselves to a place they've elevated themselves to a place where they live even though they don't actually have the things that they need they live as if they do and then they just come in the right time the yeah. problem is is that you you don't we're not patient right yeah. so so like if you if if you're sold this idea that you need these generator systems to give you feelings right so you you pay 79 bucks a month to your feeling machine and then you sit in front of it and you watch a special about Peru and you feel like you're in Peru and you're eating the potatoes and you're at Machu Picchu and you're there. And then it's like, and then you're sad because you're not in Peru anymore. Right. So like, and you got to get another subscription to another thing to get more yeah. feeling. Yeah. Right. Or you need to be entertained or, you know, it's like we're bored or what do people do out here all the time? Right. So, all of your life is outsourced to purchasing generator products to generate feeling for you that you yourself should be generating. For instance, like you look at your wife or your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever you're into. And, and you could say, do I love you or do I only love you because I want to feel love back myself? And in turn, your relationships are parasitic because you're expecting that person to generate something for you and right. then they fail you and then you curse the person. That's right. You curse the person. Hey, I'm not getting what I need from you. Mm -hmm. You're not getting what you need from yourself. Right. right. So, so guys like in my work, you know, with heroes and horses is that they are completely lost in searching for results to problems that they've created themselves to systems that exist outside of them. And they become slaves to the systems. Like, here's the deal. If you think that like the answer is inside of a substance that was created in a lab, that's going to get you back to a predetermined state called normal, which we already talked about that. Mm -hmm. Like what is normal? Right. And by the way, is there like an ex expiration date where you take enough and now you've like, a, they come in, they never tell you, you never come in. They're never like, okay, well, <laughs> the three months is up, Bob, you're healed. And you're like, thanks <laughs> Pfizer. Like, you know, um, and, and no, it's never like that. Uh -huh. See, because it's all designed to keep population at heel. You need to be at heel. The veteran's identity keeps you at heel because you just go around telling the same stories and regenerating emotions and feelings from the past and then becoming the victims of the experience. And then life goes on. You're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And you die with the jacket on, with the hat on, with the stuff. And, you know, you never do anything with your life. Great. You've never challenged anything. You've never upended any systems. You never stood up and raised your finger and said, hey, bullshit, I'm not doing that. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what it is right so like the revolution starts with inside of us so you talked about freedom as oh i get to 
I get to do what I want to do as long as I don't hurt anybody else. What you just described to me, that's, that's true freedom. Not being, true freedom. Not being bound by right. those ideologies that are outside, the materialism, all those things that you just described. I mean, that's, that's true freedom. So I, Any and all construct. Yeah. To be free, you have to unbind yourself from any and all construct. Yeah. And identity being one of those. And it sounds yep. like, and, and I want to talk a little bit about heroes and horses and, and how you got into that and, and some, of the, some of the things that you're, um, you're sharing with these veterans, because identity is a huge thing. You just, you just mentioned it. It's, it's this, um, you know, professional athletes on a completely different level, and I always have to preface it. Uh, there's some similarities, right? Because I, I lived on this mountaintop for a short period of time, right? And that was who, that's who I became. And that's, that, that just fully encompassed, oh, I'm Tyler, the football player. I played for the Cowboys. Like, okay, cool. Like, that's something that you did, but who are you? And veterans, a lot of guys from, you know, interactions in my experiences, it's the same. It's, hey, you know, I'm a veteran. No, I mean, technically, but... That's, that was something you did, not who you are as an individual. And so I, how, how is that part of your, your program, um, and, and how do you instill that? And then really kind of what's the mission? I want to hear a little bit about the history, too, and I know I just kind of like rambled there for a second. didn't make much sense, but um, I'm just like I'm blown away at this because this is something that I've, I wrestled with, and I thought I had a grasp on it coming out. Mm, yeah. I thought I was going to do it well, and it was – like you said, it's still really hard, that transition into that civilian life out of that highly intense mountaintop experience into something else. Um, it's hard, but identity was something that I thought I had a grasp on, and I didn't. Yeah, because, uh, you know, first I want to say is, like, I don't consider myself, like, anybody special or anything like that. Like, I don't consider myself of, like... In any way, I just consider myself me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like, yep. I'm not trying to get anything. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to be the next, th- and nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I did try that out in the beginning when I first started Heroes and Horses. Um, I was actually laughing because, you know, I was broke. Uh, I was, like, trying to be the cool veteran, like, cowboy thing and, you know, to build up the program. And for, the like, about three years, I, I did that. I mm-hmm. kind of, like did what you're supposed to do. I remember like there's this photographer, like um, he'll never listen to this, but I, I hope he does because he's like, the just the fakest human being on the planet. Like I remember like, and look at, I did it. I remember laying next to his air conditioning unit, like holding elk horns, like in Montana, like, you know, and like taking pictures, you know, and I like that. It's like a fake bloody rag or I was out cowboy and they would like throw snow in my face and like all these things. <laughs> I look back at that person that I was and I was just like, it makes me want to vomit because I was never like that in my life. Right. But like technically, so I had like a big Instagram following. Right. I had like, you know, it was really like, you know, talking to the masses Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. But then like I also just had this like awareness of like what I had like become to try to build my organization. I was using it as an excuse, right? But really I was just feeding my own ego. And and so then I just like went on like on a Wednesday, I just deleted everything, everything. Like this girl that worked for me was like, <laughs> I mean, I just deleted it, like nothing. I didn't even like save the pictures or whatever, I don't care. 
And that actually started like a huge journey uh, in my own life because I was like, I don't need these things. Like if what I'm saying is true, I don't need them. I don't need to get in with anybody. Yeah. Like, unless of course, like people come along and they're like, you know, like, like Jocko is like a great example, right? Where, uh, yeah, like they, you know, give a platform or whatever, like, and, but like, I'm not out there trying to like align mm -hmm. just like sharing like that. My only identity that I want to have is like one of truth. Yeah. You know? And so it, these become things that you have done, not who you are, like you said. Right. But what happens is, is that the mind, you know, it has some, some dots to connect backwards to say that in this space, you have accomplished some things and you are successful. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to connect the dots backwards to yeah. say that I've done some things rather than go forwards because there's no data that I actually can do anything else. Right. But that's when you get into like creation. Right. And that's when you, the world becomes your, this canvas and you realize like, oh my God, I'm painting it with my own choices and my own feelings. And like things are happening to me and sounds like woo woo, but it's not. It's how the whole entire world was created. Yeah. It's just that that knowledge has been kept from us now so that we serve and, and we serve institutions and you show up and get in your little cubicle and push your buttons and we'll give yeah. you some, some, some little crumbs yeah. to and feed I, on. And the programming aspect of it too, right, is when we're wired at a very, very young age to ask the question, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Oh, yeah. We're not asked, who are you? Like, who, who are you? Like, I, I, for me, and this is like a very recent thing, is like actually taking that and creating that space. It sounds like you and your wife do quite a bit. It's yeah. like, okay, who am I, right? right? And then following who you are, and, and again, what you need will manifest itself, but it's who am I? So I'm true as I'm going on this journey, as opposed to not being programmed to say, okay, Hey, I've got to make six figures. I got to get a college degree. I've got to do this. I've got to, I got to follow this path that others have created for mm -hmm. me that the lucky few, maybe that aligns a little bit with who mm -hmm. they are, but very, most of us, right. We've chosen paths that we think that we need to take because that's what we've been programmed mm -hmm. to think because of mm -hmm. all these other things. But when you are asking that question, and this is kind of more of a question to you is when you're talking to veterans, I mean, how is, as they're coming out, is like, who do you want to be? Or is it, Hey, who are you like, and, and know yourself before you can ever like follow some new journey. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, every year each class has a belt buckle and the saying this year is know thyself. And I think that's probably, I had all these other sayings, you know, not a vacation or think greater than you feel or whatever. Uh, then I just realized like, there's nothing, there's nothing. That's it. That, that's it. Because you, you never find what you want. You always just find what you are, Yeah. you know? And, and the thing is sometimes when you get a look at that, it's unfavorable yeah. because you realize like, what have I become? Yeah. I've, I've created something for myself that I hate and I live inside my own prison and I'm the captor of my, uh, of myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, with heroes and horses and the creation of that, it's been, a, it's been like, it's been quite, it's, it's essentially a reflection of my own life path. You know, when I started out, um, I was the quintessential, like former Navy SEAL, cool guy, contractor, whatever, CIA, all the things. And, uh, I was really just like, I think I was ultimately just afraid of, uh, not 
being a thing anymore because mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I moved to like rural Montana. I'm up there, you know, I start this program. I spend all my own money. I'm like trimming trees and doing like side roofing jobs. I can't really pay my mortgage. I'm like thinking like, you know, I've got some accolades in my life, some things and I'm, and I'm feeling like in society standards, like a total loser, right? Like it's, um, but what I was, uh, was on like a really, it was a great gift. It was a crucible that I was in to dissolve. Like I had to just, I had to be dissolved and I had to get to the place where I was like willing to look at myself in all honesty and truth about who I was as a person. And to tell you the truth, like, I didn't really know I had, like, lost it. Uh, I didn't really know what I was. I, I, I was, people would say, like, oh, you know, who are you? So tell me about yourself. And I was always like, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did that. I went here and went there. But it was like, yeah, but, like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And you're like, like, what do you mean? Yeah. Right? Like, what's running everything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> you know, what's running everything? And so... As I went down, you know, I've crossed 18 wildernesses on horseback. I spent a lot of immense time alone with myself uh, in the horses, in the wilderness, away from technology, away from yeah. things, you know. And, and, you know, I got to a place in my life where I, like, was living like a, just like a monk. I just, like, you know, I think I went, like, I don't even know, this year, 80 days or something without taking a hot shower or eating a piece of sugar meditating breath work cold plunge saunas horses like sitting around the fire like and then you get to the place where all of a sudden like you awareness is is, it always shows up as an awareness like where it just comes up and it's an awareness and you're like whoa what is that and it's and and you have to be willing to walk that backwards and say well what is that like I had a, a for instance, I, I was uh, been off social and the girl that works for me was like, oh, could you do some stories or whatever? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I hadn't been on like a long time. So like I get on and of course I'm like, you know, I started scrolling like and what are these real looking and, <laughs> and I started seeing all these guys that I knew and everyone's like dressing up with the cowboy hats and doing, you know, smoking the cigarettes and looking dusty or whatever. And I'm like, look at, it started bothering me. And then I like, I got, I was like, sat down with my wife the next morning. I was like, man, I'm like getting like a feeling like anxious about it. She's like, you know, because what you see those people doing, you know, you hate about yourself because that's what you did. And you're not okay with the person that you were. Right. So you have to remember yourself and be okay with version, you know, 38.0 or whatever it was that was doing those things right. at the time. And, and then I was able to look and be like, it's true. I hated myself for selling myself out in the beginning like that. Yeah. And so then when I saw other people doing it, I judged them for it because I didn't like it about myself. Mm-hmm. And, and then, okay, so then I work through that. And then next thing you know, boom, like other things. And then so as you start doing the work, aware, it always shows up as an awareness. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be able to go right at it, see it for what it is, and then you gain wisdom. Because wisdom is remembering everything, but without the emotional charge. Mm -hmm. And so when you can separate the emotional charge, you gain wisdom from experience. And experiences are the greatest gift to mankind. Because they they teach us who we are. Mm -hmm. And so without them, so the whole life is told to make it easier for you and only give you certain experiences that make you feel good, right? 
But in turn, you hate yourself and you become depressed and you become neurotic because what happens is you're actually committing a form of death, suicide. It's a suicide. Yeah. Suicide by, mm. you know, great food and great cars and everything you wanted in your whole entire yeah. life. And it's and, and deep down inside, you're like, I'm dying, so maybe I should try to get more. Maybe there's a cap. Maybe it's one billion. No, maybe it's two. And then maybe it's 10, <laughs> right? Are you talking to me, man? <laughs> Are you freaking talking to me? Like, he is. Because, he is. He is. Yeah, because when you realize everything that you need, you already have. Yeah. Like, you're already it. And listen, some people, you know, have, have, to me, are supposed to have those things, right? But those things can't rule you. They can't be yeah. why you exist, yeah. Mm -hmm. right? And so it's yeah. like, for instance, people think the, uh, you know, it's like uh, a rich man passing through the eye of a needle where, um, you know, it's easier for, people think that's referring to people like entering heaven, but it's yeah. not. The eye of a needle is a place, I think, in Petra where the caravans would come through. Right. And so the, the wealthy landowners with all their camels and their, you know, remudas of animals would have to leave everything outside the city to enter into the safety of it. Mm -hmm. And so, because their caravans couldn't fit through so that hold on, eye of the So hold on, that's not a literal saying in the Bible because my pastor told me if I have money that I'm going straight to hell. <laughs> that's what I thought growing up. Uh, right, so, unless uh, you give it to him so that he can <laughs> have right. it. That's right. Because so he can Jesus. steward it. <laughs> yeah. Right, he's better, yeah, because the cattle on a, he, I heard a guy one time, he said, he's like, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And all I want to do is kill some of those cattle and make some money for the kingdom. I was like, you start a beef business with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was in that market, but you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, you know, when guys come to heroes and horses, they always think, you know, that I'm going to teach them something. And I do about horses and, all the things about, you know, ranching and roping and riding and shoeing and all the things, right? The hard skills. But I actually don't do anything. We just set them up in a 41-day process where they learn about what they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people change two ways. They change through pressure and time. Mm -hmm. And it's either an extreme amount of pressure in a short amount of time, like a IED blast will turn you from a solid to a gas at 30,000 feet per second or a drop of water on a stone over a thousand years. So I don't have a thousand years and I don't want to be converted into a gas. So like what exists in the set in the center, right? So pressure and time is how we, how we change. And so, you know, over 41 days, the process does it where you eventually can't get away from yourself. Yeah. yeah. See, there it is. Right? You can't so, run so from does it. everyone make it through? Does everyone make it through that, those 41 days? No. Or have you had... We have guys quit. We have... Uh, we have... Uh, you know, I had a guy um, come through who was an actor, and I actually didn't want to select him, and a guy that works for me was like, we got to take this guy, and he quit, like, early on in the beginning. And it was interesting because I had a conversation with the guy before he quit because it's like he had lost all sense of reality, right? Because think about what an actor is. We, we, you are the best at pretending that you're not you. And if you're the best at that, not being you, then we'll give you golden statue and make you famous. So you can convince other people to not be themselves either. Because we can't have people running around with all this creative ability yeah. because yeah. then they'll up in the system. Right. Right. So, okay. So like, it was interesting because when you, 
when you lie to yourself all the time, you know, you live a life of lies. Mm-hmm. And the lies are simple. Like, for instance, you know, you, uh, well, I'm only eating these donuts because my dad was mean to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I'm doing it. You, know, you lie to yourself. You say, oh, Monday I'm going to start working out. And then, ah, shit, it was little Timmy's birthday and you're up late and I'll get started Tuesday. You lied to yourself. Mm-hmm. You weren't, you weren't. You weren't honest with yourself, mm-hmm. right? And then you become comfortable lying to yourself. Right. And then you actually look for excuses to continue lying yourself so that you don't have to do anything, right? right. People are like, oh, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, 300 pounds. Like, why? Well, you know, it's genetics runs in the family. Okay. But if you ate a carrot and walked from New York City to L.A., would you lose the weight? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Okay, so it's a choice. Well, okay, like, sure. But it is a choice. It's always a choice. The choices are so powerful. And so what happens is with students is they get presented with choices. They walk, you know, 80 to 90 miles to meals. They'll they'll do 41 days in a cold plunge, 41 days with no hot showers, no hot water, 41 days in a sauna, 41 days of working out, 41 days of meditation and breath work, five to 600 miles on their horses. They'll do two Lakota sweat lodges. They'll go through a leadership course. They'll sit around the fire every night and start to, they'll read two books before they come to the program. They'll live in wall tents and, and, and have an outhouse there and with no running water. And, you know, they'll, uh, They'll get to a place, you know, where, where, uh, you know, there's, there's no digital detox so all day and, and, and the evenings they can have their cell phones when they go back up. Um, but it's digital detox and the removal from those things. And so what happens is, is as you get into the present moment, right. And as you begin to kind of start to walk your life, you start to, all the dependency goes away. There's no dairy, there's no sugar and there's no cheese. There's no honey that we do the anti-inflammatory uh, uh, I, I hate to use the word diet, but anti-inflammatory way of eating. So there's just meat and vegetables, water and, and black um, coffee, Maxwell House. But uh, <laughs> there's a, there's, <laughs> shout out to Maxwell House. <laughs> you can hit me up on uh, FM radio. <laughs> but uh, oh, uh, Picking it up, moving up from AM, huh? Uh, yeah, but there's like, uh, um, all of those things are, it takes that much pressure and time. What I realize now for people to begin to really, and that's where the work begins. Mm. So when you leave, that's when it actually begins because you go from, you know, guys are like, Oh, I'm here. I'm like, this is real life. I'm like, guys, I was like, you know, I get back to real life. I'm like, what do you think you're living fake life? Yeah. Look at that black and blue bruise on your life. Yeah. Is that fake? Yeah. That horse kicked you. Yeah. That was real. Yeah. Right. Like they, they get back into what we call routine life. Mm-hmm. Okay routine life. So now you have all these tools and you have, you have, you have this knowledge. And that's when what happens is, is like, it's a dangerous thing. I tell guys, I'm like, it's a dangerous thing to come here and to make it through and to graduate because what happens is, is even when you go home and you return to the trough, right? You go back to the trough. You're like, ah, maybe I'm going to I'll have some, you know, chug a few beers with the boys, go and do this, do that. Let me tell you something. Now you know, and in my personal experience is that you're held to a different standard by the creator, or by the universe, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you're held to a different standard because now you're, you know, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and you're making a conscious choice to go back to that. Yeah. And then what happens next is not good. Uh, it never is. And because you haven't, you, you're, there's, you can't fall out of your choices. Yeah. And that's love. Yeah. true love is not falling out of your choices 
you know, and, and, and that, that is like, when you understand that, like, I realize like in my life, like to have courage, I always thought like courage was like the, like, you know, storm the gates and, you know, run up the hill or whatever, shoot it out, not be afraid or whatever. But like true courage is the absence of fear and fear is the absence of love. And so to have courage, you have to have unconditional love, love without condition. And then when you have that, there's no fear because they, they don't, they don't exist. Right. Like, so you, 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 like unconditional love is where true courage sprouts from where you can look and you can say there's 10,000 men out there and you ride out on your horse like Alexander the Great. Right. True courage and 10,000 men look and are like, oh shit, and they run away. Mm-hmm. One guy, what is that, right? See, you can feel that real courage. That's why you can look at somebody and you can look right through them when you're in a, in a state where you're able to sense a person and not think about them and you can feel them and you can feel them and you can say like, that person is afraid. Like I can feel it. Sure. They may kind of show you a little kind of right. some outside stuff. They're hitting the weights. They look like this, but you can right. feel them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. could, you can feel it. You can sense it. Right? right. So when guys become aware, right. It takes, it takes love to be, it's so easy to be like angry. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to right. just be like, I said, knock it off. But it's really hard to be like, would you guys quiet down? It's so easy. <laughs> it's right. True. Cause love, that's why love, like you think about Jesus, like he's like, Hey, by the way, like forgive them. Cause they don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. think about it. that's real courage and that's, yeah. that's love. So love it's about, it's ultimately about love, but you have to love you're made in the image of the creator. Yeah. And so you have to love yourself. So your ability to love is only related to your ability to love yourself. But to love yourself, you have to know what self is. Right. And then you become the expression you of that. You have to get there. Like, so you got to the get there. And I'll give, I'll give you a quick example. I, I went, and I told Tyler and Business, I went hunting for the first time. What, a year and a half ago, Tyler? Nice. Was that? No, no, it, was, it wasn't. It was, uh, it was last winter. It was last, last winter. winter. Yeah, it was, it was a year. And it was for the first time that I've been somewhere by myself, like in a, alone. Like, we, you know, we're... First time I've been hunting, first yeah. of all. We're scattered out. And I'm sitting there, middle of the day. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm by myself. And I started to have these thoughts come in my mind. Like, I was start, I, basically, I was getting to know myself. Because I'm yeah. always, I've always been the guy who feels, I'm a filler. I fill my time with busyness, busyness, but in every aspect, mm-hmm. it's just business, 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 friends, 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 do, 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 do. And it was the first time that I sat there and I had, and it was a vulnerable time for me because I, I was thinking, damn, I don't, I don't know if I really like myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I, you know what I mean? I was going through, and this is only, I can imagine 41 days, but this was one mm-hmm. day for two or three hours of being alone myself and that's the thing that you know as i was in that, in that time i was stripping myself away a little bit getting to know myself and i couldn't imagine doing that for a longer period of time because that's where the growth would be for me in that gap i probably grew and i know in my mind i came back and i told i, I specifically called you i talked to you ty like i need more of that because i i, I kind of 
you know, mm. was I was vulnerable at that time. Yeah. In the well, present moment. So what happened is you were yeah. listening yeah. for the first time because yeah. you weren't busy. Mm-hmm. We got to yeah. get more and more stimulation to keep us away from the knowledge of ourselves. So everything's force fed to you. You know, like everything is force fed to you. Be entertained. Turn on the TV. You know, it's called television. Yeah. You know, it tells you a vision. Mm. And then it channels and programs information to you. And then you go out and you express it out. Oh, I want my family to be a sitcom family. Why? Because for 10 years I watched sitcoms. Right. And so next thing I know, I come home, I throw my jacket, it lands on the hooks. I'm like, right. nailed it. And, but here's the thing. We live for about 30,000 days. And in our youth and in our young time in our life, um, we get away with it. Because we're being successful by the mental construct, right? Of like, hey, I got enough stuff. I got enough things. I'm being successful. But then what happens is as you get older and you kind of start to, you know, your age is, it starts to wane and your youth starts to go away. You start to kind of have things start to happen. And we all get wrapped up in the material way of dying. Mm. Like, oh no, like, what if I get this or get that? Like, whatever. I don't care. Like. It, it, I don't care if I get stabbed on Christmas by some late, I don't mm. care, ran over by a semi or I get a disease and rot away at my house. Like, whatever, dude. Like, there's, 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 I'm not, it's irrelevant to me. Like, it, it's not. The mechanical way that it's going to go down is not that relevant to me because I know it's going to go down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah, it happens, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not concerned about mm. that. So, there, it's interesting because. I see people as they get older that I talk to and in my travels and stuff, right? Now they're older and they start asking these questions Mm -hmm. because they're like, okay, I was with a guy of a big IPO company, uh, CEO, I'm sitting in his office and he's looking out the window and he's like, you know, that's my car. And that's, you know, he's telling me these things. He's like, I sit up here and I think to myself every day, now what? Mm. Now what? Mm. And I was like, that sucks for you, dude. Mm. Like, right? Yeah. Eh, cool. Like, mm. it, it, we should be asking those questions every single day of our life. Yeah. We shouldn't wait till the doctor comes in and says, hey, you've got terminal cancer. Right. Or, um, hey, you're going to have to, like, remove your, like, liver. You know what? You've got a weird disease in your knee. We're going to take your leg away oh shit, I should have ran that marathon or whatever, but now you don't have a leg, you know? So, so like we should be asking, I, I, my suggestion is that society stops what they're doing right now and begins asking that question of like, Hey, it was inscribed in 1400 BCE, know thyself, Mm. know thyself. And if you don't know what that is, there's not enough watches and rings and Maseratis like, by the way, I want to get sponsored by them, so shout out to Maserati. Maserati. Uh, no, I got the hook up. It's only because I like Italian food. So, um, but um, there's a um, and, and and ask that fundamental question because if you can't answer that, um, let me tell you something: you're in for a real rude awakening. Yeah. You're for a rude awakening, and the world is crazy right now because people are crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's just orders of magnitude of what's happening inside of their own heads. Because everything's a thought first. And so now there's this crescendo. There's this, all the vets came. I remember last year the guys came through and, you know, the Afghan withdrawal happened. And all the guys were like, you know, at first we're like, do you hear? I'm like, I don't care. Like, who cares? Like, it has nothing to do with us. Yeah, but can you? I'm like, don't feed it. Oh, yeah. Don't feed it. Like, 
you you had those experiences you came home like you gained these skills you gained these things but like don't feed that like look at it for what it is you can feel it for what it is like sure like don't feed it because what happens is this guy's like sanity is tied mm. to what's happening like don't give your feeling to outside events happening in the world never ascribe your feelings to events happening in the outside do world. you feel like we're designed to be able to like comprehend those in a healthy way uh yes i mean but if you look in the world not everybody can the world is always changed by someone yeah. see we're told that it happens like in the masses mm -hmm. But if you know anything about history, there's just always one person. There's one Martin Luther King that stood up and said, hey, I have a dream. Killed him for it, mm -hmm. right? It was one Jesus is saying, hey, uh, you know, this is bullshit. People are like, what religion was Jesus? <laughs> uh, he wasn't one, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, because he came and said, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. your neighbor is you, mm -hmm. right? Just in a different inflection point. Right. We're all interconnected. So it's... um. It, it, you look at it and you know, Gandhi, you know, you look at the man that stands in front of a tank and, and starts the, you know, gets burned, burns himself alive and starts the Arab Spring, right? It's always someone, yeah. mm -hmm. but we're taught like, okay, we got to get a thousand followers and 10,000 and a million and then get our message out there. Uh-uh. Doesn't work. We don't need those systems. Yeah. Like true connection, true connection, right? You'll be shocked at how, when I deleted my social media, I began connecting with the right people. And how they came along is, so we had our end of the year gala uh, last week or two weeks ago. Big gala guy, huh? I've never been to it. Well, <laughs> I was just about to say that. And then uh, last week I went to one. You put me on this. I feel terrible. You told us. I want to just like delete that. But like, so there was a band that came and shout out to the band Rival Sons, one of my favorite bands. So the guy that host that paid, uh, gave us his ranch to use or whatever. He's like, Hey, give me your top five favorite bands. I want to fund a band to come. Uh, so I gave him my top five favorite bands and the band that comes is the band Rival Sons. And he paid you know, a good amount of money. They flew over from Italy. They were on tour. They got like eight albums out. And um, how I learned about the band Rival Sons was that I took my pregnant wife and my two kids at the time uh, to Colombia. And I drove from Colombia to the Venezuelan border mm. in a Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> and, and then I... Pregnant, not... Yeah, so two babies and, and one, yeah, one in the other. One in the other. So she, uh, she was like, uh, and so we drove across. We were there for a month, and we drove all the way up to the Venezuelan border. We actually got like a gun arm checkpoint. It was wild. But we're up in the Tyronia Park where there's like these indigenous tribes, and we're living in this like, you know, bamboo hut, and we're staying up there. And we get up in the morning to head up to a place called Rio Hacha, up near the border region. And I was really hurting at the time. You know, I was still operating i hate to say that because uh -huh. whatever but like i was still in that operating that, operating. In that world yeah. yeah i was still you know i was on leave basically um and she gets in the car i load the kids up in the car it's early in the morning i turn the radio on and it's like this like uh i don't know like this colombian or you know salsa music or whatever and i'm just li listening for like an hour and we're coming up by the shrimp shack there's all these like shrimp shacks and like salt flat areas so a really really poor area and all of a sudden i'm driving along and this song comes on like an american song uh -huh. the only american song that came on on the radio wow. station uh -huh. and it's a song called where you've been and it's a song about 
a vet basically looking at his wife in bed saying, how could you love me when you know where I've been? I've given my body, but now my memories, they won't let me sleep. You know, mm. you can't, can't sleep. You know, you're like, and, and I'm listening to this and I'm like, <sighs> uh. and I'm like driving and I'm like, and I'm looking at my wife and her like mouth is open. She's like <laughs> pregnant, like boobs are like hanging out. Like, you know, I'm like in Columbia, like the kids are in the back squishing the car seat, shit shoved in the trunk everywhere. And like, she's like flopping around over there. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, start sobbing. Right. And I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, what is this song? So I'm like looking for some paper and I like write down some of the words so I could remember right. what it was. Yeah. So like, I don't know, three or four days later, we get to like a little place and we've got Wi-Fi, and I look it up and I, I play the song for my wife. And I was like, I heard this song. This is a band rival sons. Mm. Like, and I start become like a big fan and I'm listening to all their music. And so the song's called, where have you been? He also has a song called Jordan. So whatever. So then immediately that song ends and it goes right back to like, ding, 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 you know, right. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they performed at the gala and, you know, I don't know, nine years later or whatever it was. And I stood up there and my, you know, I gave like a talk or speech or whatever. And I said, you know, this band that I'm going to introduce. So after the end of my speech, like before the band came on again, I shared this exact story. And I was like, I don't, it's irrelevant to me. Like how much I'm the worst fundraiser. I'm like, it's irrelevant to me. Like how much money we raised because rival sons is here. Mm. And nine years later, like, I understand that like, this is like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Mm. They're like, they came here. Right. Uh, I heard them in Columbia, the country, like, on a radio station that okay. and if you ever been there but they're not like playing rival sons right. okay uh right. yeah <laughs> i was like uh rival hombres or whatever but i was like i was like i just stood there i was having such a moment mm -hmm. because i was just like and that's when you begin to see that the whole entire life path is is it's it's dominated by signs and symbols mm -hmm. and we're taught that it's words and laws mm -hmm. and so we search for the words and we search for the laws but like it's signs and symbols and if you slow down and get into the present moment and let's just say we get rid of past let's just get rid of past and let's just like get rid of future right. because the past is gone and the future is not here yet and like okay so where are we we're, we're here the me making that statement right now is over. It will never come back. It's gone. Mm. It only exists as a psychological memory. Right. So it's like, if you begin to look for those signs in your life and you have the courage, which comes from love to see them and then to move towards them, your entire life in this moment changes. Your whole destiny shifts. Mm. It shifts. And then you get on what they call the path and you're no longer going to a fate, you begin rising to a destiny. Yeah. And maybe it means you're gonna have tons of money, or maybe it means you're gonna have none, but you will never lack for anything. Because lack comes from fear. And if you have fear, then you don't have love. And if you don't have love, you don't have courage, mm. right? So, so when you start to feel those things come up, like what am I not gonna have enough, right? That's the biggest thing is you're not gonna have enough. The markets are falling. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. It's like, I've got, I don't need anything, nothing. 
zero. We're, we're not, we are, we are going to get exactly what we need, not what we want mm-hmm. when we go on that path. But you'll be the richest person in the entire world because you'll feel a confident, you will stand. That's how when the man walks out and there's a thousand armed guards and they're pointing the guns at him and he's just walking towards them, his hands out, walking towards them, starts a revolution. Mm. Why? He's not afraid. Right. Why? The only thing you can take from me is this material existence. Right. And I'm not afraid of that anymore because now I understand. Yeah. And then what do they do? Next thing you know, the next person steps out and the next person steps on and the world changes instantaneously. Mm. Right. That's revolution. It starts in the hearts of each one of us. And that's what I'm doing with these veterans is starting a revolution in the heart of the individual because then they go home and they change the trajectory of their children. Because mm. I don't believe it will be this generation, my daughter, Solara. I think it will be her children that will bring in the redefinition of what it means to be a human. Mm. Uh, I, think it's gonna, I think we're going through the beginning stages. We're in the birth canal, right? Yeah. As a, as a species, we're in the birth canal. Birth canal, you're in the second dimension, right? Mm. Utopia. We're all trying to get back into the womb because we're like, you don't have to work. You, you, everything's taking, you don't even have to breathe. Right. All your immune system, everything comes from the mother. Mm. Everything. You live in liquid. Everything, safety, security, everything's taken care of from you. And then through a violent change, you enter third dimensional space. And if you don't take a breath and everything's trying to harm right. you, right. right? Welcome. Right. Yeah. Now you have soul amnesia and you have to remember what you are. And now it's becoming more and more and more and more difficult because be a good boy and eat your food. So I'm not good if I don't eat. Maybe you'll be a doctor and a lawyer and be successful. So I'm not successful and I'm not those things. And then, and then it just, you start to get layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. You're a loser. You're not a good reader. You're not this. You're not this. You're not the right color. You're not the right this. You're not the right that. You're not the right this. And then you get so lost, right? That, that most people sadly, um, will never learn the lesson of why they came here. You know, you came here to essentially be the expression of the infinite through the finite. That's what life Mm. is. Mm. It's the expression of the infinite through the finite. And now we're ruled by the finite. We don't give a shit about the infinite. Oh, gosh. No. It freaked, brother. I was going to say, I mean, that (laughs) right there, I mean, that's, that's... I don't think that one sentence could describe who we are right now as a culture any better. Mm. I mean, the, the short-sightedness, mm. the I want now, um, man, yeah. that's some powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah. I, again, I could, literally, this could go for another four hours. Um, uh, but you have some gala or something to go to tonight, right? <laughs> You're being mean. <laughs> Call people like you mean. <laughs> But one thing I do, I mean, again, one thing you I take love, the robe off and kick your ass. <laughs> I, listen, I literally listen to the jargon, but I'm not. I'm not about to. That should be a right good now. fight because you're state champion wrestler versus a. Yeah, I wouldn't want to wrestle you, man. I, that's a. You gotta give me the that, ground, That'd be a good little. Yeah. Just don't let them yeah. hit you. You might. You might have a chance. That's the thing is, us yeah. wrestlers we used to say that like every fight ends up on the ground. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> you might if you get caught no. with the right hook. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I I, uh, I used to, I was a sparring partner for a period of time for Ray Mercer, the former oh Ray Mercer, yeah. big heavyweight, yeah, 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 yeah former yeah. heavyweight champ of the world. Yeah, yeah. He lost to Lennox Lewis. There's yeah. a Mercer was a big. 
Yeah, like, when he did the Tommy Morrison, oh, yeah. remember that? Yeah. It was like the worst. Yeah. Well, Knockout ever, yeah. Yeah, but when I was with him, he had, had some legal troubles and, you know, obviously was getting back in shape. He ended <laughs> right. up fighting two fights in the UFC. So oh, he, did he murder Yeah, him? so he fought, well, I don't know if it was a UFC or something like that, but he right. fought that Tim Sylvia. Yeah, uh, big. He was that, that big dude with like big. a gross body. Yeah. He was like. Just had like a. He looked like uh, the dude. Tyson Fury. He yeah. looked like him, but with oh, bigger tits. But he tits. looked like a dude from The <laughs> nice. Longest Yard, the uh-huh. big giant on Longest Yard. <laughs> right. This big old guy yeah. on his jaw. Uh-huh. Like, he always had the, the chin strap on, the, the chin strap Lord. beard. Oh, yeah. Ray ended yeah. his career. Yeah. If you watch it, you can watch it on YouTube. It's like 20 seconds or something. Ray comes out. And, uh, you know, Tim Sylvia is like six, eight, yeah, I mean, the massive. guys, might, but he has like those knees that kind of go backwards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, you know, like he's just, this is a UFC fight. Yeah. So he, he was the heavyweight champ of the UFC. Uh, Tim Sylvia, he was a big, giant. Oh, he yeah, I think he defended it two or three times. I mean, he, yeah. was, really? he was the dude, uh, it was like post couture. Okay. It was like that little yeah. window right after Randy and uh-huh. Tito. Uh-huh. And then it was like. Yeah. There he was. Oh, yeah, they like, and so it comes out, and like Ray hits him with a punch coming in that it ended his like career. Wow, it caved his whole face in. Uh, Ray was a vicious dude, yeah, you and were. I used to box it, yeah. with him because I boxed in the North Carolina State Prison Circuit when I was going through the Special Forces Medical School, and I was boxing, and so I went and I fought um, these exhibition bouts inside the Max uh-huh. prison, and so I met, I still have this thing, because people think I'm in prison, I have this little, like, award that I got. Yeah. It's the only award that I like to display. <laughs> like, um, um, I went to a draw. Yeah, it's your draw. Yeah. We can't see you. <laughs> Wait, no. I, got, I got a teardrop and I learned how to yeah. make uh, homemade wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got upside down teardrop because I saved a lot of people. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but I, uh, I, yeah, so like I went in there and, and so I, I boxed, you know, a bunch of guys in there and ended up like winning a draw in there or whatever. And so Ray Mercer was in there and then he contacted my coach and was like, hey. You know, he was in to- prison? No, he was there, like, observing the bouts in the prison program. Because, like, Bernard Hopkins, those kind of guys all came up in the prison stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I started boxing with him in North Carolina. And um, I'll tell you right now, I've never been punched that hard in my entire life. Mm. He hit me so hard uh, one time that, like, I've realized that I don't want to be, like, a professional boxer. (laughs) It's not for me. Because, I mean, think about it. That's one punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine standing there for 12 rounds. Oh, my gosh. He hit me. I remember looking at him. He had like eight heads, and I was like, he was like, he was like, get up, like you're all right. And I was just like, what? Just I didn't like, even know I was on the ground. Yeah. There's a, you know, we do a little, we have a little bit of that, like in, in the program, the Harris yeah. Norris's program. You know, we um, we have a we have a ritual that we do, and I think one thing that's missing, well, two things that are missing. One is there's like no code amongst people or veterans right so there's no code we don't live by any form of a code Mm -hmm. anymore right so then then you're just to and fro with whatever happens you know the real weapons of of modern war um that we should be afraid of are the ones that shoot fake situations and circumstances at you because you don't have any tools to navigate you know yeah. those kind of things so they shoot situations and circumstances mm-hmm. at you and you're like oh no this oh no that oh no this and right. you're just in a constant state of like total fear and reactionary state mm-hmm. which then you never do anything but um yeah it's like uh we integrate a little bit of that into a ritual i won't say the name but we have a name for it and guys go through and i think one thing that's missing is ritual so like with my kids my oldest daughter you know she uh she bought her first car and got her license and like um she uh 
you know, I'm setting up at the end of the month, she's going to go through like a ritual, like mm-hmm. a coming of age ritual, yeah. becoming a woman. And it's going to mm-hmm. be like, it's going to be like intense. Yeah. And, um, and same so she's going to do a becoming a woman ritual with her dad. Yeah. She's going to, um, she's going to do like a, so 24 hours in a sweat lodge by okay. herself in the darkness, no water. She's gonna, uh, there's some other things that I'm planning for her. Mm-hmm. And then when she's done, I'm going to give her, she's going to earn like a, you know, a necklace and she, she doesn't know what we're doing and I want to make it symbolic subscriber to our show. So she probably is going to know now. She doesn't have a cell phone. (laughs) Yeah. She doesn't have a cell phone. No. No. She's what? 16. 16. Thank you. Yeah. I took her to, I took her just before I came here. I had to take, she bought a car and I was like, she bought her car with her own money, Uh 7,700 bucks. She bought a Mercedes, uh, which I was like really moved. You know, like, uh, she went and bought it. Paid for it. My daughter, 10 years old, bought her first horse for a thousand bucks. Uh, she like has like a dog watching business and she works on the ranch. Um, but she, um, yeah, she, she, so she, she has no technology, so she's not going to be able to like listen to this or, but I took her to the pawn shop so she could buy CDs. She's got the big case, you know, with all the CDs and, uh, I was kind of laughing. I was like, damn, I remember like lugging my cases all around. All over the show. Cause I didn't have my mixed CDs and all the things like rolling up. I'm putting on that Jodeci. Yeah. Thing. You know what's <laughs> funny is I saw. <laughs> I come rolling up. Yeah. I always took over the six disc changer. Yeah. Oh. Put him on the. I was like, yo, Jenny Schoenwolf's here, yo. It's so funny. They talk about they talk about how like dangerous it is to like drive and like be on your cell phone. Yeah. Like I, I saw a video. Remember I mean, yeah. we'd have the whole CD C- case looking for oh, CDs, yeah. driving with our knees. Way yeah. more dangerous. <laughs> way more yeah. dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No way. This yeah. is, this is fine. Yeah. You know, Compared you, to digging through that CD case. Yeah. You, you talk about rituals <laughs> with your daughter. Yeah. I actually read a book recently it's called The Intentional Father, and it talked about that. And this, this dad started this, did this, made up this program with his son when he turned 10 and basically guided him through his teenage years, and then as he left the house. So it was basically like an eight-year ritual journey like you're talking about. Yeah. That, that he went through with his son and taught him how to become a man. And we don't really do that. We just kind of no. go along in the routine no. and the rhythm, and then we send kids off to college and are, like, confused when they screw up and make poor decisions. <laughs> what do you, first of all, like, what do you know? Okay, right. like, think about it. Okay, so you head off to college, you're 18. So you've got about, like, eight really solid years of, like, kind of, like, if you even want to give it eight, right? Because your first five years, what do you know? Right. right. You're, like, still, you're shitting in your pants, you're peeing yep. in your trash can in your room. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I've got a five-year-old. He knows You're nothing. just figuring it out, right? Yeah. You kind of diss that. They don't like me. I like you. Uh, what am I? I don't know. Figuring out your body, mm-hmm. right? So then, like, okay, so then you kind of, like, you're in school, Right. So then you kind of move through and now you're 18, eight years later, eight years later, you're making the decisions that are going to impact the rest of your entire life. And, and then think about like where you grew up, like what you learned, like what you were told people have nothing. So they become just shells. They, they, they never learn any of the deeper means. I think ritual is so important. And that's one thing that we've created at the program is like a ritual guys go through and the whole program's a ritual, right? You wake up, you go 41 days without taking a hot shower, mm. 41 days of meditation and clean eating yep. and breath work and fitness and saunas and like, and then, you know, your day starts at like 730. Like, so mm. you've already done all those things. And then the rituals in between and then the sweat lodges that, that they go through, um, you know, ritual is so important and you have to be ritualistically committed to yourself 
and I think you know same thing with my son I mean I um, I'm doing the same thing with him at coming of age thing and, mm-hmm. and I think it sets a standard for them you know Absolutely. I'm not worried about you know my kids like running off and being you know skanks or whatever because um, or, or assholes they might choose that path but the thing is if they learn these like deeper meanings of what life is about mm-hmm. they they learn ultimately to honor themselves you don't need to tell them like not to do this and not to do that because you actually, in your attempt to get them not to do those things, you cause them to do the things. Right. Right. Like you actually cause, for instance, like, Hey, like, you know, this guy, I don't know, this country killed this guy. And so now we're going to go over here and we're going to kill that guy. And then they come over and they're like, we're going to kill him because you killed that guy. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Right. So the very thing, you know, um, that you didn't want to happen, you actually created. So it's like, let me hyper control my daughters because I don't want them to become strippers, right? right? And date guys like I used to be. And, <clears throat> um, and so I put all these constraints on them. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, I keep them away from all the evils, right? And what do they do? They, they go right to it. They go right to it, yeah. right? Yeah. Says, hey, don't go, don't look behind that curtain. Don't you dare do this. I'll take this. I'll take your car. I'll ground you. I'll right. do all the things. Rather than just teaching them to honor themselves, mm. yes. not to defile yeah. themselves. Yeah. And if they choose, well, then they have the understanding that it comes with consequences. Right. It comes with consequences that are sometimes severe, yeah. but you'll learn. Yeah. But, but don't you think that's generational as well? Because, you know, I look at, and, and, you know, I grew up in, in a household without a father. Yeah. And my father grew up in a household without a father. And his, that grandfather grew up in a household without, you know, it's like, so we've never had, even to, to myself, I've never had any rituals that had been passed on. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have to start anew in order to pass on any type of ritual mm-hmm. to my own kids to start it. Someone has to start it down the line. Yeah. Right. And that's you. That's me. Right. And you change the whole. Here's the thing. I was having a question with guys because, you know, guys in the beginning of the program, they talk about their families and stuff. And if they so choose. And uh, we do something called the Maxim Lab uh, where we just present a series of questions. Right. And then they go through um, and share and they kind of deconstruct themselves. It's it's actually just an amazing Mm. time. But What's worse, like having no father or having like a terrible father? Yeah. Mm. Some people yeah. are like, I didn't have a dad. I'm like, okay, but like John over here's dad like used to hold him down and you know burn him with you know a wood burner, <laughs> right? Cut him. Yeah. Or his dad was a violent drunk mm. and knocked out his front tooth when he was ten, mm. right? So like, what's worse? That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's what you need. Right. Yeah. Right. It's what you need. So you change the whole trajectory of your family life. I didn't have like really like ritual or anything like that. But like what I understood was just like, in, I don't know. I didn't read anything. I just like realized like it just came up and mm. I was like, that's what's missing. That's what mm. we're going to do. And then I um, started going that way. And then I started like reading about rituals. I started mm. learning about all these like things that I was like, whoa, like all these societies, like we're missing it. we are missing it you know your your greatest thing that you could ever do for society is to go home and love your family Mm -hmm. i mean that that's like and love them like because but the only love that they're going to get is the ability that you have to love your own self and if you don't love yourself they're not going to really love them you know and we have a fear that they're going to go out they're going to do all these bad things and harm themselves Mm -hmm. but that's not your role Right. Children pass through you. They don't come from you. Right. 
Yeah. They passed through you yeah. and they came to you for a reason because there's something that you need to teach them. Maybe you need to teach them perseverance because you're the type of person, um, you know, that, that worked your way up from nothing and they need to be perseverance for what's happening in their life path. Right. Or maybe they need to overcome negativity. And so they were born with a mother that just chugs white wine and smokes cigarettes all day and mm. just bitches about the world and watches, you know, the view. Um, and, and maybe you need to learn what not to be from them. Mm. Right. Yeah. So you get what you need, not what you want. And so the challenges and experiences that you're facing in your life are exactly what you need. Right. It's up to us to take them, which they always appear as lead, the low mind. Why is this happening to me? Right. The low mind. Mm -hmm. And then to take that and turn it into gold, turn darkness into light. Mm -hmm. And when you can start to turn darkness into light, you are on the path mm -hmm. and it's not like a woo woo type thing. It's Real. Yeah. When you can see people and they got the spears and they're screaming and yelling and next thing you know, they set them down and they realize like, maybe we shouldn't like, you know, vaporize each other yeah. and maybe people join hands and say, you know what? We don't want these dominator cultures that want to dominate and rule. We don't want to kill. It was like Muhammad Ali. You know, I'm like, you know, I love Muhammad Ali. Uh, know being a kid with boxing and all the things you know i just loved him because i remember when he said like i don't want to kill no like Viet Congs." Oh, yeah mm -hmm. and i remember like you know here i joined the military and all the things and that used to sit with me because mm. i was like you know we're in these areas where like people can't read they can't write they live in dirt houses mm -hmm. you know they got their life they're like they're not like doing anything right they're not like coming to you know they're not coming to north carolina mm-hmm they can't even drive. Right. They can't even. They don't even have money. Mm. Just like living on the side of a hill. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. And it's like you start to kind of think about that and you think about what he stood for. Yeah. What he stood for. Yeah. And you're like, hey, like, where are the people that are standing for something? Yeah. I can't say that. I don't want to lose my reputation. I don't want to lose my followers. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do. It. And you're just a slave. Mm. And your true voice never gets heard. And then, you know, you start a war inside of yourself. But, like, what if we started really living authentically? You know, really authentically. The world would change tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Mm. All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an, the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, you talk about rituals and one that I'm a huge believer. I don't have life figured out. I'm not saying that. But one that I'm a huge believer of is waking up early. And what that does for me is it gives me that time to figure out who I am. It gives me that solitary confinement. It's literally the only time in my day when nobody in the world needs me. Mm -hmm. It's first thing in the morning. And so whether it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, at least I'm by myself. I can start to figure out who I am. What am mm -hmm. I after? What are my goals? What do I want? Now I can spend the rest of my day 
I heard a great quote, spend the morning working on yourself so you can spend the rest of the day gifting it to others. And I love mm-hmm. that quote because it's, that's, that time is, it should be sacred. You know, I'm needed from 6 a.m. to the time I go to bed. I'm needed by somebody. And so if I don't make the time, too many of us just sleepwalk through life. We wake up when the alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. We go to work. We go through a routine. We go to bed. Repeat. Rinse and repeat. And we never take that time to ourselves like you do when you're out on your horse, like Mark, Mm -hmm. who we had on a few weeks ago, who literally was in solitary confinement in prison when he found himself. But a lot of us don't give ourselves that time. And so you talk about rituals. That's a ritual that I hold sacred, which is wake up early so that the first thing I do is figure out myself. Mm -hmm. And then I can spend the rest of the day doing whatever it takes to take care of those around me. It's it's to connect with what you already know. You know, that's like people like I talk about breath and we do like a lot of there's all kinds of breath work, you know, and breath is nothing more than just bringing awareness to what you do all day and the power of like really doing getting into that to a place where you're so removed from the outside world, like the things that, you know, like, (laughs) like the awareness is the like it it changes your life, like meditation, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, um that is like, these are profound things that are missing. If the first thing you do is roll out of bed and check your cell phone, you have given up your yep. sovereignty oh, in the yeah. morning. Oh, man. Your sovereignty is gone. Yep. You have now entered into the operating system, which tells you, Bob's got to do the, oh, got to go. Let, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, and you become in a ra- reactionary state. Your life accelerates. You're, you're playing the whole day catch-up mode yeah. and backpedal mode. Your life accelerates because if you always fill your life with um, – experience uh and stimulation then you're going to die early because and i don't necessarily mean just like in the physical sense but like time in your life accelerates because time is only realized by the experiences that are contained within it like what would last longer me sitting on a mountain for a million years and one cloud goes by or 20 minutes with a hundred thousand experiences in it which lasts longer Right. Because time is only realized by the experiences contained in it. So if you're sitting there and you're checking your phone, doing this, doing this, okay, but I hate going do doing this. Whoa, man, it's already Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> what you uh, realized yeah. all the yeah. time contained within the experience. And so the idea is to keep you busy and occupied. Yeah. Guys, season ten is coming on. Season 10's coming on. Got to get home. Racing home. Checking this. Check. Got to get my show. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. Got to get the thing. Got to get the... And next thing you know, you're 65. Yep. And they're like, yeah. um, I'm going to retire now. And you're like, great. And then you like drive home from retirement. And you're like, ah, I feel weird. You go to the doctor's like, hey, you got prostate cancer. You're going to die. Mm. You're like, shit. Really? Huh. What did I do? Yeah. yeah. What did I do? I've been sleepwalking Man. for 60 What did I do? Yep. Yeah. What you did, you filled your time with experiences and you realized it and you accelerated your own life. And so the idea is to, is to learn to be like stillness in the storm, right? You roll in like, and you're in the boardroom and you roll in and everyone's in there and everyone's like, okay, I got to kind of get to know people, right? So we walk, hey, Bob, how you doing? Okay, cool. Oh, you're from Ohio? Okay, great. Steel manufacturing? Okay, got that guy now. He's kind of tight ass. Okay, got this, got this, got this. <laughs> Rather than just going in and doing nothing, just going in and just feeling. Like you don't remember what people say, but you remember how you felt when they said it. Mm. Right? Mm. That's what leaves. Uh. Somebody could, you could change a person's whole life by just saying something to them. 
right? Like I can look at you and I can say, like, you know, I love you, and you can feel that. You can feel it, right? Or I can look at somebody and I can say, I hate you. You're ugly, right? And I change them forever. Right. That's why they call it spelling because they cast a spell on you. Right, and so before anything is said, it's a it's a reality by because that comes out of my word, the logos. Let there be light, mm-hmm. and so word existed before light. Right, so I can look and I can change everything. And say, you know what? It's gonna be one of those weeks. So it is. Mm. You're yeah. gonna look back and be like, you know what? I know I go home and she's gonna be a total bitch, <laughs> and so she is. Right, you're expecting that, and then your whole life is to reinforce your own correctness. She's like, hey, could you grab that? Why are you talking to me like that? Because you want to be correct. The mind wants to be correct. You said, see, she's just like I said. And then you build a case against that person. So (laughs) so when we we gain wisdom to wield these tools that we were given by the infinite creator, then you live a beautiful life. It's not an easy life. But you live a beautiful life, free of fear. Doesn't really matter. Oh God, the Ukraine, this is the war. Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. Don't care. Mm. Like I'm just I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. If I'm supposed to be involved, then fine. If I ever was to ever go to war again, I would be unstoppable mm. because I would only go out of love. Mm. It would be out of love, right? It wouldn't be out of hate, or anger, or fear, or domination, or servitude, right? It would be out of love for my fellow man would be out of the divine expression through me Mm. well when a person operates like that and you could see that throughout all of history Mm. those are the people that reshape the landscape of the planet Mm. they come out of a sheep herder tent Mm -hmm. they can't read and they can't write and they mount an army that decimates the planet right Mm. i mean every human being has that capability But you're sold this illusion that you got to get like a bunch of shirts and shoes and like wallets and belts, you know, cars and the right friends. Get a reservation at the best place. Fish was just killed 30 seconds ago. The freshest. (laughs) I'm in. Can lick there. the butthole of a sea bass from Chile <laughs> while it's still winking at you. Not the butthole. <laughs> still winking at you. Now I've succeeded. Oh, I'm living. I'm living, baby. <laughs> tell you, it's so I, I, and this is just transparency, right? I live in, I think that you probably could notice just in our interactions today, right? I'm there, there, here, 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 here. And I literally do, I do live in that prison that you're talking about mm. because it's, it's the worry about, well, what if, or this, or I need to do this. My obligation is this. And, and like, Hey, I'm doing this for my family, but I'm away from my family. I mean, last four nights in a row, I've literally worked until midnight and everybody's asleep and I'm gone before they're up and, and all these things. And I live in this prison and it's fun. It's not funny. It's it's actually really sad. But um, I went through an exercise. It's actually quite prison sad. It. Yeah, <laughs> prison's not good. It's prison's actually really sad, man. Uh, but I went through an exercise with a with a mentor a few years back, and just kind of kind of the same conversation. And that's what's really frustrating is this cycle that I just keep trying mm-hmm. to. 
you know, I say I'm going to do it and I do better. And then I fall into it. And that, that rhythm, that routine life that you talk about. And, and he, we went through an exercise and he says, okay, what if, uh, what if this account that you're talking about, that you're really stressing about right now, what if it goes away? Well, then I won't get that commission. Okay. Well, what happens if you don't get that commission? Well, then, you know, my income over the year is going to be less. Okay. Well, what happens if your income's less? Well, then, you know, it's going to be stressful financially or, or, you know, he's, are you going to be able to cover your bills? Probably if I don't get this. Okay. Well, what if, let's just say you don't, what if you, what if you don't pay those bills? Well, then, you know, I'll have bad credit. Okay. Well, then what happens if you have bad credit? He literally walks it all the way down. And ultimately it came down to a, to a place where it's like, okay, you live in the United States. What is the absolute worst case scenario? Like you take it all the way down. Like, well, they still have a roof over their head. Tell me that you can't do something to get a roof over their head, still provide food, and you still then have the ability to love them. What is the worst that can happen? And you take it down, like, to the bare bones of it, right? And you're like, yeah. Dang. Like, I stress over things that re- – and, and we talked about it at lunch. Like, what you – the way that y'all are living – you know, as a family from like being, you know, self-sufficient and doing all the things yourself. It's like, you know what? Like, yeah, it takes some work. It takes some effort, dedication, it takes some, some learning. It takes some teaching. It takes all these things for your family to, to be able to live off of the land and the, the livestock you raise and the vegetables you grow. And, and, um, but it's like, okay, well, what if I am wrong? Then we just live a good life. Because what do I, you need? Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, what do you need? What do you need? I need oxygen, I need fuel, and I need water. You need Tiffany and them kids. (laughs) Listen, but but the thing is, like, what do you need? I've actually, you know, it's about balance, right? Where I started thinking, like, I've had this conversation with, you know, a lot of guys over the years um, who it's like, okay, so I want to help my family. I want to provide for my family, okay? Mm -hmm. But your family's provided for. Yeah. Right? We, when the natives were here, you know, um, they removed all the children um, uh, during the um, uh, Kill the Indian, Save the Man Act of 1870. And um, what they did was they said that the children were living a barbaric lifestyle, right? And so they were removed from these barbaric native homes and they were put into schools and given new names and their heads were shaved. And obviously we know... Hundreds of thousands of children died and some of them in mass graves and all the things. But the point is, is that like, they weren't like living a barbaric lifestyle, Mm. right? Right. They had food, water, and shelter. They were living community. Yeah. Right? So like, okay, people may look at my life and say, um, I'm living a barbaric lifestyle. My children um, homeschool. Mm -hmm. They don't have... uh, um, because, you know, I realized I was like, if you want your child to be, you know, uh, you send them to Caesar school, don't be surprised when they come back as Romans. Yeah. And so I realized that. And so I was like, okay, I have to change. And so I changed. So we did it. We just, we pulled them out. We did it. You know, we're, uh, um, which is great because I've been taking my kids with me on trips. I take them like business trips. I actually was thinking I should have brought my kids with me. I just leave them in the hotel or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm taking, I'm doing a podcast in Tijuana. 
dude does like cartels and like all these things and so i'm bringing i'm bringing two of my kids with me Mm. you know like they're just traveling because here's the thing is they're getting knowledge and wisdom and experience so true they wake up they're involved and every morning they wake up they do gratitude they do breath they do working out they're like learn how to box they do the things they raise animals they got chores they've got horses they got things and so in the time in their life they will learn a technology they'll get all that stuff later on right but i started realizing that like my what I'm out there doing as a provider is changing because I was always as an American is told like to provide for my children. I got to make sure that life is better for them than I had. And that's the worst thing you could ever do for your child because you actually, I heard a guy, I don't know who he was. You guys probably, I've heard it and I've thought about this a lot, but he said, you know, um, hard times create strong men and strong men create easy times and easy times create weak men mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so <clears throat> it was interesting because he said something like you know my grandfather walked to school you know i drive a mercedes my son's gonna drive a ferrari and my great-grandson will be walking again that's right yeah. right yeah. and here's the thing what i'm saying right now i realize i told my kids i said look it i'll never buy you a car i will never pay for your college um, I will not do any of these things, not because I don't have the capacity to, but because you have to learn how to get those things on your own. And so what I'm giving you is the greatest gift. I'm giving you the gift right now. And the gift is that you're, I'm going to support you in learning how to support yourself. Yeah. And so my daughter, 16 years old, I drive her out to Billings three hours away. She takes her cash out. 16 years old, didn't even have her license yet. Buys this car. I let her drive it back. I let her drive all the time. I don't care. But like, <clears throat> she's mature. So, um, like, <laughs> I know my, my neighbors are like kind of like nerds and they're like, they, she's always like cruising around this old suburban I got. Yeah. And like the kids, the kids for the school are like, do you have your license yet? She's like, no, but my dad said I could drive. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Cause I'm the law of the land around here. <laughs> we live on a gravel road. There's no traffic or anything, you know, like, there's no cops out there, but oh, now they're going to be there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a dangerous driver. She got her license. But like, I realized like she is so proud of that car that she bought. Mm-hmm. 06 e350 four-wheel drive mercedes with their own money my daughter bought a horse for a thousand bucks yeah uh from her dog watching business she's 10. yeah and and here's the thing is like i'm not going to pay for if they want to go to college great but you're also like not going to take a loan out that's right right because i don't want you trapped into that evil system yeah so paying for my wife's shit (laughs) <laughs> whatever but anyway like it's like <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah so exactly it's a scam right yeah. like so so we we think like i gotta be a provider and i gotta do all this stuff but it's like the only thing that you're providing is knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. and food water and shelter yeah. everything else they have to go out and use the tools that you're teaching them everything how to else use is perishable goods right. Par- yeah. everything else is what yeah. you're really saying is that I have to be away from you, sacrifice my well-being, my, my mental wellness, all these things, all this stuff, right? So that you could have, you know, an Xbox Five or something. I don't know what's out there, but like, <laughs> whatever. But like, you could, you could have the cool clothes so when you show up to school, kids will perceive that you are from a successful family, right? Um, I would rather my kids show up in rags and then 
you know, 20 years show up in successful closing because they worked themselves into success. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we, it's like, I can't, well, they, we, like we shop at the Goodwill, all the things like not for everything, but like, it's, it's interesting because it's like, why am I going to work to get like a pair of jeans that like I can get for $3, I could buy these ones for 75 bucks mm-hmm. and I got to go away and I got to work and I got to do more because then in six months you're going to be grown out of them. I take right. that 75 mm-hmm. bucks and it goes back to the goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, if we really believe those things, we have to change because what we're doing is we're cursing this system right? We're saying there's problems. There's this, there's this, the system's broken, all the things, but then we're actually going home and feeding and preparing them to enter the system. Right. So we train them up and get them into the system and do the opposite of what comes out of our mouth. Right. Yeah. And the true, the true. So we, we, we actually are lying to them. We're saying, Hey, it's all about struggle and all this, by the way, here's a couple hundred bucks. Go with your friends. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm working for it. Like, so, so like the thing is, is like, if people start to change like in mass, it's like, hey, look it. I love motorcycles, all the things, a big off-road guy and all this stuff, right? But it's like, look it, if you got like five cars, okay, you're not like at risk of dying or anything. Like you're good, right? You got like three, four houses. You got like, you probably don't need a fifth one. Maybe right. you do, whatever, right? But then we're telling the kids like, hey, we're making a better life for you. And it's like, yeah, but I wouldn't be here if I didn't have the life that I had. Yeah. So the life that I had, you're yeah. basically saying like, you you needed the hardship. Yes. Right. Grew up without a dad, right? And right. so you had to be your own dad, your own mm. leader, self-governance, rise to the, right? right? Well, how I should be teaching them the lessons that I learned from that. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the gold. Yeah. The gold is like, man, I remember when my dad told me and, 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 and he wouldn't, he didn't buy me that car. He didn't do those things. Like I had to get a job. I had to, you know, my daughter was like riding an e-bike to go to the vet clinic to work at night to, you know, clean all mm-hmm. the stalls and all the stuff and clean up the dog shit and all the things like ride her bicycle back, you know, down the gravel road at night, you mm-hmm. know, um, it was like, people may say, well, that's like, yeah, but here's the thing. She's got character. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's got character. Yeah. You know, I, I, I sit with her. There's nothing more powerful than doing like a sweat lodge and being in that Lakota sweat lodge ceremony and your daughter sitting in there with you. And it's, you, you're there, you're praying. Mm. And you hear her pray. Mm. You hear your child in the most honest and pure way pray. And just, you're like, okay okay, that's who she is. Right. And I'm, yeah. and I'm okay. If she, I'm not gonna, you know, she's gonna, she's got the tools, right? Yeah. She's learning it yeah. now. I'm providing the space for her to figure it out. And I'm supporting her along every step of the way. Yeah. And, and, and I'm doing the right job. Yeah. Like, because she's learning that. Right. So I told her the other day, we, we got her picked her car up and I said, you know, honey, do you, do you want to get a, a cell phone? She's like, why? And I was like, well, I mean, like, so I could call you like you're driving around now. She's like, uh, I'll get a flip phone. I was like, she's like, I have a really hard time. My daughter's absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And she's just a very talented, very smart human being. And she goes, you know, I go around with the kids from the high school and, you know, she goes to the homecomings or whatever their things are. And she homeschools, you know, um, and she, she's like, I just, I see like the neurotic nature of all the chi- the kids and I, and I see them and I, and I'm, I look at it at 16 years old 
and the depression and the worry and the anxiety and the, she's like, I, I just, um, it's kind of disgusting to me and I'm not, I don't, I don't, I just don't want to be a part of that because mm-hmm. I feel like my mind is very clear and I, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I was like, okay, well I'll get you like a flip phone or whatever. Is there any more validation that you need from the methodology that you use? I need Maxwell parent? house to validate. Yeah, that's, okay. that's a good point. I mean, I obviously I, I'm sorry. I should have, I should have started with that. But I mean, as a parent though, no, I mean, really like that's gotta be ultimate. Like, proud dad moment like okay like yeah it doesn't mean she's not going to go down and make her mistakes and do her th- but she's not going to make the same mistakes i made yeah. you know my children my my uh, the younger ones they're all going to have to go through the crucible yeah it's mm-hmm. part of it and we're there to support them along the way and so this whole idea of like i'm doing this for you i'm gone for you it's really not true wow. you're gone for yourself sure. because you're really running a program in the background and you're kind of afraid that like maybe you'll will be poor or you know you won't be successful and it goes back to the two paths yeah. you can either hustle and get some shit hustle and get and spend some time and material time and drag your ass to work or you can change yourself and elevate yourself and the things that you need just come to you the relationships rival son shows up at your gala and <laughs> and 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 plays right that's what happens that's what happens they show up they just appear rival sons just appeared at the thing okay Uh right so i didn't go out and get them i didn't call them i didn't tag them and like me not even on social media they came and then i met with the lead singer i had a deep connection with that guy gonna be homies he's a different human being i could tell by their lyrics i'm like you don't write stuff like this like he's not in the hollywood thing it's really uh so or you can hustle and grind and meet your fate mm. yeah, and don't worry you'll have lots of money saved up so you can get the best tube shoved up your ass when you're dying in a nursing home <laughs> can't wait for that too stop I, talking the truth man. I, <laughs> bullshit, dude. it's the truth it's like hey i gotta have enough so that i can die comfortably, yeah. die comfortably. i want to be what? like ripped apart die. by a shark or something yeah. i don't want to i don't Spe- want that speaking oh. of fate i gotta go feed the system i gotta call yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But again, I mean, like you said, yeah. rise to a destiny or fall to a fate. Correct. Like, I, I love that. I'm, I'm speaking to some high schoolers tomorrow, and literally the, the theme is legacy. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you credit for this, by the way, but I am going to use that. Just, oh, I'm going to no yeah. throw that in there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. man, I, gosh. Again, Honor like yourself, said, high schoolers. That's yeah. what they need to do. Yeah. All of these things that you're facing is because you're not honoring yourself. Yeah. Well, then, if you don't know what self is, how could you honor it? And do you know yourself? Mm. Okay, well, let me tell you something. At some point in your life, you're going to be asking these questions, and the time to answer them is now. Yeah. Yes. Because the future is yeah. not here, and the I, past is gone. I tell you what, man. I know we, we're up at that time, man, but... You're talking to two guys right now because we know, Tyler and I know. I mean, our whole life has been we've worked our ass off to mm-hmm. get where we've gone through failure. We got to get up. You got to hit him more so than me to get to his ultimate goal. But, but work, work, work. That's the only way we've always known it now. So we got to let go, both of us. We got to let go. He and I are, are I mean, we have this, these conversations because we know. Like, if, it, if anything, this guy can do everything. He can build, he can hunt, he can survive on his own. I can't. I can't do any of that shit. But I sit there and I admire the fact that he can do all those things to survive. If anything mm-hmm. happens, 
we're moving to Tyler's house in Salina because nice. he's going to help us survive through it. But, <laughs> but we do. There's a part of us that has to let go. And, and just hearing your story and your experiences today, man, serious, man, it's been like therapy. <laughs> for the long, long stuff for the last couple hours, it's been like therapy yeah. just to hear those things that you've had to go through and how mm-hmm. you've overcome them and how you've moved on, man. So yeah, it's been yeah. awesome, brother. Mike, yeah. it's been I appreciate, really time, appreciate the time that you spent yeah. with us today because Thank you. I know all of us as a group are better because of it. Now, what I, I want to make sure that we're not doing is just having this experience and not letting change that's come right. from it, right? Yeah. And, that's, and that's ultimately what's got to happen. So I'm going to – you've been asking – He's been sending me little notes on the side like, hey, I'm really excited about this part. So I'm going to let you fundraise real quick um, to all of our <laughs> listeners and just just go ahead and pitch Heroes and Horses. Tell yeah. them how they can give. Make sure they've worked and then, you know, giving it to you so that you can, you know. Talk about the new gala. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the, the gala that you're going to throw the bands that you're going to fly in. Let's talk about all those things and how, you know, how. I got to change the name from gala because I've never been to a gala until last week. I got invited to one. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If it's on a ranch, officially it can't be a gala. Yeah, no. yeah that's true. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just yeah. The, this is the it's just the law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a <laughs> I uh, uh Yeah, we bring, we're bringing the law. Um you know, yeah, Heroes and Horses, uh you can follow us on you know social channels. Uh you can, you know, go to our website heroesandhorses.org. We're uh we're building out our ranch, so we've got a capital campaign going uh, to put some facilities on there and, you know, get involved. I mean, it's all about standing in your truth. It's all about kind of doing the work and, and forming a, a new kind of community, uh, people that are, are really dedicated to seeing what's, what's possible for us as human beings, uh, you know, if we create new growth within ourselves. And, and you know, that means taking the, the hard right instead of the easy left. Yeah. And so... You know, just uh, really thankful for the opportunity. Man, you know, you can awesome. you can follow us and check it out. We got all kinds of cool stuff out, films and stuff. You can watch and, and learn more. So, what's the name of the one? Uh, sorry, I, I just saved it, but um, I've been taking. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, aspects is like it's interesting because I I did a I did a I, I spoke at an event uh, at a big company and they're like they were going to show it and then they're like oh it like was triggering people so like they they didn't want to mm-hmm. watch it and I kind of like laughed. I was like, really? Um, it's uh, <laughs> it, it was upsetting people because it's uh, it's a very powerful film. You know, I, yeah. I, it's a way to communicate to people, um, you know, to share these messages yeah. and and kind of about you know what's possible. There's a pandemic in in the veterans world. That's why I do what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, every 64 minutes a veteran commits suicide. Uh, you know, and if you're doing 22 push-ups a day for veterans, you're an asshole. Yeah. And that does yeah. nothing. Oh, you just and don't, yeah. It doesn't just, even get you in shape. You just don't care about the other 40, 42 people. Yeah. It literally doesn't do anything yeah. except for like wish down the fibers on your carpet. But like <laughs> it, 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 it's, um, Department of Veterans Affairs last week. Um, you know, it was announced that I think New York Times, you know, they underreported suicide rates by 37%. There's wow. 50,000 organizations. This isn't about building a big company mm. or being cool or trying to get like, you know, big fans. And this is, this is about like redefining uh, the relationship between yeah. challenge and purpose. Uh, that's ultimately what I've, I've set out at this point in my life to do. So appreciate the opportunity to be here yeah. and share yeah. about that. Appreciate you, bro. I love, Thanks, I love the mission and anything that we can do to help, man. You, you've got fans here. So thank you. Thanks, buddy.
All right. Well, usually Ben closes us out, uh, and I'm never going to let him forget this, by the way. Oh. Just sliding that, out. Oh. Yeah, no, I had to pee halfway through this, but. Uh, um, me too. So, but, uh, Micah, you're on your own. We, just don't, have the, <laughs> we don't have the same self-discipline that Micah has. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, like, subscribe, whatever whatever you guys do on this thing, mm-hmm. on, on the internets. Uh, on Instagram. I'm not exactly and, sure yeah, how this thing works. YouTube, so, the whole uh, Appreciate but. y'all. Again, Micah Fink, Heroes and Horses. Uh, please just go check it out again. Yeah. If you feel led to to be a part of it, to support it in any way, highly encourage you because again, it's not this big capital camp. I mean, yeah, you're doing a capital campaign, but this is not this big. Don't ruin my capital campaign, no. dude. But what it but what <laughs> it is, what I'm saying is, it's not this massive organization, right? That yeah. like, hey, all we want is we just want to be big. Right. We want to be uh, in a fit. Look, it's it's all about making an impact. Changing lives. Changing lives. Like, just in these last yeah. two hours, I, my life has been changed, right. man. And I really, I mean, I'm serious. Mm. Seriously. Mike, I can't appreciate, I appreciate you, man, for what you've said and how you've been so transparent with us yep. today. Thank man. you. Awesome. Thanks, All right. Thanks a lot, y'all.